everything else versus Bitcoin essentially gets spent and dies. I want to be able to have reactive security. And I think OpVault is today the most straightforward, easiest to use way to do that. I will not be insulted by a clockmaker. <laughs> Overall, these kind of ways to make the network easier to both build on and interact with, I think is a really big deal. If Bitcoin existed when we started Twitter, we would not have to go down the ad model path. I mean, it's simple as that. Integrating Lightning into a social network is the killer app. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin.Review podcast, where we explore developments and projects with the people who actually make them happen. The show is supported by Pod 2.0, Sat Streaming, and Coinkite. If you're a new listener, I'm NVK. I run CoinKite, where we've been helping people secure their Bitcoins for over a decade. We make the cold card and fun products like the Block Clock. You can find more information about it on CoinKite.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Recap. Uh, today <laughs> with me, uh, we're going to be reading the list. Only the part that has signal out of RHR. So the original hosts have joined me today. Um, Mr. Odell, hello. It's good. It's good to be back. <laughs> Mr. Marty. Uh, I think there's a lot more signal than just the list. Okay. <laughs> I think it's, it's important. It's important for uh, Marty and I to make clear that uh, we've tried to build the Bitcoin Review podcast in open source fashion. So um, there you go. We we <laughs> welcome clones. We think cloners that come and and implement our ideas are, are better for the ecosystem. Yeah, imitation is the is the best form of flattery. <laughs> That's right, um, Mr. Harry, the only grown up at the Bitcoin Park. <laughs> Somebody needs to keep the children from running away. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be great, guys. Uh, all right, so the quote that we're starting <laughs> with today is the the production of too many useful things results in too many useless people. Thank you, Karl Marx, for getting something right. All right, boys, we're going to start this. Vulnerability uh, disclosures today are interesting. There is a new acoustic attack, steals data from keystrokes with 95% accuracy. Uh, this is not new, by the way. Uh, it was already possible to uh, essentially listen keyboards, figure out what the keys are, and then figure out people's passwords. That's why you shouldn't keep your Android phone close to your keyboard. And uh, it's really bad. Or your iPhone. That's <laughs> just a dig at you. And uh, so hardware wallets are, are a bigger problem for this, guys. Uh, and uh, we we learned about this attack many years ago. Uh, it was not this good yet, but it, it was already possible. That's why if you're using a hardware wallet, make sure that you use keyboard scrambles. Because then the keyboard keys don't match the actual keys. And you minimize this. Or go to your bunker. How are they doing these keystrokes? Do they essentially just use the microphone yes, to determine yes. the distance from the mic to the key? Use that. Well, it's more than that. They can they can figure out the pattern that each key makes a different sound slightly off. And there is also the distance, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of different heuristics that he uses, but now with AI, they can make this extra awesome. <laughs> yeah. They feed a bunch of data into it with a bunch of different keyboard presses too. Yep. I mean, I the I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, NVK. Uh 
But I mean, the layman's take from something like this is this is exactly why good hardware wallets exist in the first place, right? This is one of the key things that's supposed to mitigate. Well, the lesson is don't use a fucking computer for Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, like if you used a cold card in like the most naive way, you know, you didn't use it with your own node, you connected it via USB, you generated it without adding any dice rolls, you did all of that, and you never stored your seed online, right? So maybe not the most naive way, but just basic basic usage of cold card, you're protected from this attack. Um, uh, I think that should be the main takeaway. You're less likely to be attacked. Uh, no, the keyboard scramble is not on by default. Well, you're literally never entering your seed into a keyboard. That's correct. But you're literally yes. not entering. You're never entering your seed on a keyboard. Period. Right. You're you're never entering your pass. I guess you're entering your passphrase on. You you could potentially be entering a, if you're using with the passphrase on a cold card. You could be in entering that part. Well, but then they're going to have to know where you're scrolling, right? Because you're not entering letters. Right. So it, mm -hmm. it's... it's Until we You, have you make Q1. that attack very hard. I mean, I, I, I would welcome a CVE if somebody can figure out how to do this with a cold card. It would be great. Another, another thing to keep in mind is that, like, you know, it really goes back to this idea that, like, you should not be handling seeds at any point around your everyday setup because your everyday setup is likely right. uh, uh, compromised, either with cameras, microphones, you know. Well, it depends what seeds and what your threat model is or whatever, but. But yeah, don't don't have seeds yeah. encrypted at home because you invite violence. But I, I wonder, like, uh, is there a takeaway here that like the dope keyboards, like I love mechanical keyboards, like are the dope keyboards more risky for you because the mic could be further away? Like, should we all be using, like, shitty keyboards with the lack depth? Uh, yes. Well, you should try to use the quietest keyboard. I mean, if I was making a keyboard, let's say I'm making a security keyboard, which I'm definitely not making a security keyboard. But if I was to be making a, security, a secure keyboard, I would have added a little speaker on it that makes uh, random key noises from other key noise samples from the same keyboard. It would probably be infuriating. Could you randomize that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we do that on screen it for tempest attacks. So for tempest attacks, right? So essentially, it's like a it's trying to read the signal that goes to the screen from a remote location, right? Just like very sensitive radio uh, antennas for oversimplifying it. And it is possible to see the screen of somebody remote. That is an attack that's been demonstrated. And you can do that with hardware wallets, you can do that with whatever. So that's why when we're displaying key like words on the screen, we display those squiggly things on the right. That's generating noise mm -hmm. and randomizing the pixels on the screen. So if somebody's reading the screen, they get gibberish. They don't get the actual display on the screen. Yeah. It's it's scary out there, man. <laughs> there, well, that's what I was gonna say. Like how how prevalent do you think these attacks are gonna come or going to become? When you consider like how advanced AI is getting, particularly over the last like six to eight months, I mean this stuff is already like it's. Let's say that's like for the last twenty years, it's been already sort of like mined out in terms of like making these attacks very doable. The reality is like you know now it's a lot more profitable to attack people. So I would assume that like hotels, uh, any place that like is physically exposed to third party. 
right? That like to strangers or the public or whatever, you should just assume that like they have the capabilities in place to to do some of this stuff. Yeah, I always feel super vulnerable at hotels or Airbnbs even. It's horrible, right? Like you just assume there's cameras. Like does the AI have a, I don't know, like correct me if this is completely off base, but like would the AI have the ability to like get in the servers and get recorded data from the past to Bork? Look, like fun theoreticals are fun, but like you also have to remember that 99% of the time, like you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just have to run faster than the slowest horse. And, you know, they get a leaked ledger mailing list of a million emails <laughs> and they just send them an email and say, give me your seed words. Like most people, a lot of people will just- No, worse. Seed words. Buy hex. Yeah, buy hex, right. Um, <laughs> like most people will just do that scam. So that's really, I think, like a lot of these far out schemes are like more for targeted attacks. You you think about it more for targeted attacks. And even if something like AI or automation could could make it cheaper or like more efficient to do some of these attacks, it's also dramatically reducing the burden of the ones that are already easier to do. You know, my fear now, Matt, is this. One is absolutely targeted people are fucked. <laughs> Regardless of what they do, they're just nice. fucked. Uh so if you're not targeted person, my fear is sort of like a, a dragnet style sort of attack where they just observe hotels, condos. Condos are just like a hotel, like if you're talking about just radio-wise, right? So they just observe, record all this shit in like downtown places, right? Uh, and then through time, they sort of like go and pick at it. You know, they, they go low-hanging fruit. Harder, harder, harder until they mine out as much shit that they can mine out out of places, right? I mean, can you imagine you can just run some like super sensitive antennas out of like a condo, like downtown New York? Can you imagine like the reach and the amount of shit you'd get out of that? You know, uh, we, we're getting to a point that's like, you know, if you're going to do your your Bitcoining of, of substance, you, you know, go, go to your basement, you know, go inside a, a bank vault kind of thing do your thing there with a battery and then and then sort of move on from it because you know you can't prevent everything and and it's nice to like you know have a little bit of sleep at night was there a future where we don't have to be this paranoid when dealing with private keys or <laughs> is this just the norm moving forward <laughs> no no marty it's only worse from here because the the because like imagine like every household has bitcoin in them Right now, imagine the incentives to go and take the Bitcoin away from them. It's like Christmas. Where, like, you know how like every house gets robbed after Christmas, you know, because everybody knows that they now have new TVs. It's like that, but like much more sort of intense. I, I think multi-sig is going to help. I think and- that's a Canadian tradition. I, that, I, I don't know about this Christmas robbery spree. Yeah, here in the United States, we all get new guns for Christmas, so people know not to come to the house. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I think, I think there's, a, there's a framing issue there, though, right? Because at some levels, it, it depends how much money you're, you're storing, right? And how much wealth you're storing, right? And Bitcoin, for the first time, allows us to store significant amounts of wealth over long periods of time. And, and when you're storing that amount, whatever that amount means to you, you, you need to take extra precautions. But I think it's easier than it's ever been. If you, if like, imagine trying to do that with gold or, or, or goats or some shit. Like you, it'd be very difficult to do. 
Uh, so even though it seems like, oh, that's difficult, that's a lot of steps, I got to go to a basement, like, I shouldn't use a wireless keyboard, like, I shouldn't have an internet-connected microphone next to me while I do it, like, that's not that big of steps for what you get yeah. out of it. Well, you shouldn't do that even but, if you have a, you're into kinky stuff, because they are going to have recordings of that. My point is, is, like, for spending cash and stuff, like, hot wallets, whatnot, like... I have, I, I know I personally have not been that paranoid about them, right? Because it's like, okay, if I, if I walk out of the house with $400 cash in my back pocket, like I, it's, a, it's an implicit understanding that I might lose that $400 of cash, but it's convenient that it's in my back fucking pocket. Yeah. Well, but the point yeah. is, you know, like be, be careful with your, your Bitcoining when you're activating and decrypting things and just, you know, Try to do that in a sanitized place, in a place that's likely low, like radio sort of, you know, there's more radio barriers and, and, and then don't fucking touch the wallet, <laughs> you know, as much as you can. <laughs> I mean, if you're not messing with it, the chances of you getting robbed are much smaller. So, you know, just have a copy of your ex-pub for deposits and leave the thing alone. I can see this being like a forcing function for the normalization of vault-like products, obviously OpVault or CTV. Haven't been yep. implemented yet, but leveraging something like Miniscript and probably makes multi-sig more top of mind for people to make that attack harder. Oh, absolutely. I mean, once we have covenants uh, and also maybe some uh, inference into the transaction you're making, it, it's going to come, right? Like something like CTV. You can actually have spending limits on chain on that UTXO per time, right? So you can have velocity and all these things. It's going to have to happen. We're all fucked. Uh, <laughs> but I think we should move on. What happens first, covenants or mempools clearing? Uh, covenants. I, I think I think the appetite is too big, even for the detractors of covenants. I haven't seen the list, but I'm sure you have it on it. But it seems like OpCTV, the conversation around that, has picked up pretty significantly the last two weeks. Oh, we, we had a few episodes on this, this topics and like, yeah, MVK is trying to take credit for it. That's right. hundred percent. I think the last Nasser episode, I said we should ESF CTV. It, it's kind of like a joke, but, uh, yeah. As Pablo said that when MVK speaks, Bitcoin changes. There, there you go. That's the only holdup with it is like the activation route, right? Like people are just pissed at Jeremy uh, or the speedy trial part two or something like that. There's a lot of people that don't like CTV. So, the only holdout for this up update is that it's incredibly diff difficult to change Bitcoin. <laughs> that's that's that the feature. Well. Yeah. From what I can tell, though, it seems like a lot of people want it, but it's just like, how do we activate it? Yep. Yeah. Well, that's always like that, right? Uh, we still don't have a good activation method. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Uh, Lib Bitcoin Explorer Vulnerability CVE 2023-39910. What a clusterfuck this one. So the the C generation for <laughs> for this command used 32 bits through a PRNG, which is not a real RNG. So essentially like the biggest key entropy you can make on that is 32 bits. 32 bits it can break with a home computer. So it's it's really bad. Uh the the team from Libitcoin have disputed that said that that was uh, not a a command to be used. 
apparently there was a little bit of documentation on on that not being to be used but still take the fucking thing out like don't don't like there is no reason for that to exist in the software and it was cited in mastering bitcoin yes uh, i mean you know if Andreas wasn't busy with shit coins maybe he would have caught that andrea said like this is how you you can generate a seed like yeah so I think like the biggest take from this is like, don't listen to people who may, I guess like the mastering of Bitcoin books should be the source of this kind of truth, but it's not um, brutal. I, I don't know. I mean, just use only software that has extremely large install bases. You do gain a lot of security from that. Uh, the source has to be verifiable at a minimum. Uh, and, 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 you know, that, that's huge, right? Because now, you know, that there is a lot of people who know what they're doing, securing their coins with that software. And, uh, and it's less likely that they are going to miss shit like this. Yeah. I mean, what's really interesting about this is right. So this idea of entropy, this, this is the randomness that is used for your private key. It's what makes the whole system secure and what it's, what makes it's a big number, private key, big public number. key cryptography secure in the first place That's why someone can't you know, access your private key. And like a, a large argument that I've heard for a long time, and I think it's 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 compelling and it makes sense, is like you said, if you use something with a large install base that has a lot of eyes on the code, that a lot of, you know, in Bitcoin land, a lot of wallets have been generated. Um, you can have some kind of rest easy at night because if there was an issue, like a lot of people would have lost their money already. It'd be immediate. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, it wasn't immediate, which is is what I was bringing up. Is that? But nobody this, uses LibBitcoin. Exactly, because it wasn't <laughs> like nobody should be using LibBitcoin. But there's a there's another layer to this, which is like there, if we think about like the risk hierarchy, there's like newer methodology, large install base as like the most secure. But then maybe second is old methodology, small install base might be the most risky at this point because no one's looked at it for however many years. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. In that sense, yes. But like, well, the good thing, by the way, guys, is the audience of this podcast understands every single topic we're talking about deeply into details. So like the main thing here is like security is a moving target, right? Like the new, the, the bad guys are always going to learn something new. So you keep on updating things. There is a reason why everybody uses libsec. 256k1, right? So that's the, the 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 crypto library that is maintained by Bitcoin Core, not because they are the best, which they are, but because it's like the most reviewed, is the most used, is the industry standard, and everybody should be using the same one, right? Because we all lose money together if there's a problem. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but no, realistically speaking, like, <laughs> this stuff only kind of get. It's so complex. It's so hard to write. It's so hard to implement. That like there really is not enough room and talent out there to maintain more than one, realistically speaking. Well, that's the weird thing about this. If it's been a mastering Bitcoin, when did mastering Bitcoin launch? Like 2015. That's what I'm saying. It was a while ago. 15, 16, 17. Yeah, so, like people have been reading that book for seven, eight years, and it hasn't. How was it not discovered immediately? Don't they keep these things up to date? Because nobody uses LibBitcoin. They have a GitHub page where you can track it, but. If you have a physical copy, obviously you can't change that. So first of all, 
I'm going to, I think this was in the physical copy. I'm going to dispute what uh, NBK said earlier that the entire audience understands all this shit deeply because I listen to the show. I do not understand. Oh, fuck. You don't listen to the show. I, 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 what what did we talk about last episode? (laughs) I have one question for you, NBK. The Marion Twister thing. Yes. Like, where does that fall into this story? Because it's, that was also used in the. That was also used in the one that Ledger exposed, uh, Binance's wallet, Trust Wallet, and so like I think there's actually a, an interesting tangent here that Trust Wallet got exposed, and then someone was like, "Oh, let me let me see where this thing was used previously." Yeah, but could also be. I mean, you know, coincidences in this space are always sketchy. <laughs> Actually, I love, I think, I think uh, um, Rusty had the best reply tweets to this whole thing that really summarizes everything, which is mastering everybody else's Bitcoin. (laughs) So like, (laughs) (laughs) um, that actually, go ahead, Marty. I want to say, let's put uh, ourselves in the attacker's shoes. Like how did they identify these Bitcoin wallets and whether or not the private key is vulnerable to this attack? Okay. So, so here's. Like a little bit of a, a, a background on how a lot of these attacks, these attacks work, they don't actually go and like try to generate like like your key. Like what what, what these attackers would do is they'll go in like a massive bank of GPUs or something, right? With whichever algo they're using to generate, and they they will have the whole thirty two bit space of private keys already pre generated on Amazon being watched in every single derivation path, right? And they don't even know oftentimes where that's coming from or why that showed up for them. They just go like, hey, 32-bit key, boom, money gone, right? The same way that that guy that was typing 099 times, uh, that's still 256 bits of entropy, sorry, 128, no, 256 bits of entropy. But, you know, if it's all zeros, all ones, all twos, all threes, like somebody is gonna mine that out to the to the space that they that is cheap enough, and they're gonna have that all watched. It's probably like Russia, China, North Korea kind of thing. Just like you know, they just that's what they do. <laughs> they don't even know who had the money either. It's just kind of a fascinating thing. But the difference is that like those are those are just dots on like a thirty-two by thirty-two graph where so the the percentage of the of the surface of the graph that's covered in this way is just so much greater than the percentage of the 256 bit space oh so uh, yeah the the cost that and this is this is why it's so egregious is that it's just it's just such a it's such a more vulnerable base case to attack against i think like the main issue with this whole story, with this specific problem, was why the fuck is the seed generation command still in the software? It shouldn't be there. If it's this weak, right? Even if it's for dev, there's no reason for this to, to be like that. Yeah. No. I mean, that makes sense, MVK, but first I looked at it's not the Marianne Twister, it's the Mersenne Twister. Always yeah, like, some German guy's last name. <laughs> but this is the same PRNG that Trust Wallet used that Ledger exposed. Like it's got to be connected to that, right? 
Like after all this, time, maybe they copied. Maybe no, maybe they copy pasta from 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 like this is another problem with like there's a lot of devs out there building wallet software they have absolutely no idea what the fuck they're doing they just copy and paste shit you know because they can't build from scratch and then boom like money gone like (laughs) it's that simple sometimes it sounds like in the disclosure milksad.info that's what they're saying. The main theft occurred on July 12th of this year, and there was a smaller exploit in May 2023. There was a separate but similar vulnerability in another wallet software detected in November 2022 that was actively exploited after it was discovered. So That was the trust wallet one. Yeah, yeah that may be the prequel to this, is what they said. Yeah. And, and these are the exploited people that we know, right? Most people are just going to think that they lost the money because they expose the keys or something right like most people wouldn't even know that that's how they got owned well anyway i was using this command because of andreas i read it in the book so i actually have to start my stack fresh again i lost my my funds in this one lost lost your funds in the milk set you should make a t-shirt i i lost i had a bx wallet that that should be the hat <laughs> in the t-shirt there you go yeah. So, folks, please don't don't fuck around with with software, Bitcoin software. Don't like don't use shit that the team has no idea what the fuck they're doing. It's just, you know, it's your money on the line. You know, it's like cute, cute little gizmos, toys. You, you know, just just don't. <laughs> You're gonna get fucked. <laughs> All right. Uh, housekeeping. Because we haven't been able to ship releases, I have to talk about pull requests. <laughs> so we have uh, two pull requests for cold card. One is for Seed Vault, so you can store the seeds. And now you can store the XOR parts as well. So you can store everything and, and sort of have 50,000 seeds if you want to. Have fun. And now the red is in stock. And we're shipping in two to three days again. That's great. Uh, it was brutal. Wait, the seed vault is 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 that that's an encrypted file on my SD card? Uh, yes. Uh, or are we starting in memory? I can't remember if Got we it. managed to that's fit cool. in memory or in the SD. But like, essentially, we're treating now every seed because we had ephemeral seeds, right? So you could just generate a seed and forget the seed, or load the seed and use that seed. Uh, but now we can just store them too. Um, it seems to be useful for family, friends, and shit like that. All right, Bitcoin. All right, Marty. I, I've been dreaming of the day you'd you'd read one of the software releases. So if you don't mind doing the first one here, I'd be uh, very grateful. All right, here we go. We've got uh, software releases and project updates. Wasabi version two point zero point four has been released today, or released since we last recorded this show. Uh, we got improved transactions and transaction control. New transaction speed up feature, CPFP, child pays for parent now. You got RBF as well. Better fee estimation in Wasabi version 2.0.4. On top of that, you get better wallet load times, uh, privacy warnings and spending suggestions, better privacy. Good stuff, man. Thought it was supposed to be the best privacy. I can get it better. Thank yeah. you. That uh, was, moving uh, on, we got BTC. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait. We have to discuss this. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
Um, so, uh, so, so, Matt, is this uh, is this good now? <laughs> it's just quiet. So Matt, uh, for the record, Matt is uh, uh, agreeing and shaking his head that Wasabi version 2.0.4 is uh, great now. Um, great, great, uh, <laughs> great release note reading, Marty. You really, Love you it. really crushed that. All right, BTC Pay Server. No, okay. So anyway, so Wasabi is uh, it's uh, uh, a very good uh, way of mixing coins. However, they do chain analysis on the inputs, and that's fucking horrific. So it's a very tough one. You think it's a good way? I mean, it, it, I I I don't know. I don't know. Aside, it's impossible through the noise of how the the coin mixing drama works. I mean, nobody has DNA. Well, have you tried it? Yeah, I have actually. Have you tried using it? Yes. I, I, my biggest concern is, I guess I have two main concerns besides the chain surveillance. Uh, <laughs> so three concerns. The chain surveillance. So three big concerns. <laughs> How about the four? Okay. So first one is chain surveillance, sending inputs to chain surveillance. Not great, especially from a privacy company. Don't like to see that. Um, but I will say that's more of a principal thing. It shouldn't be exposed like to to the average user that doesn't actually end up in a in a privacy reduction unless they're grouping inputs together, which I'm not sure if they are or not. Um, but it's on a principle thing like you just shouldn't be supporting chain surveillance firms. So that's more of like a principle thing. But um, what do people use Wasabi for? Uh, people use Wasabi for to hopefully get uh, better privacy on chain. They have this novel scheme that they call Wabi, Wabi Sabi that doesn't have set input amounts. So the traditional way that people have done uh, coin joins, these collaborative transactions, is you, you make all the inputs the same amount, you make all the outputs the same amount, and then it breaks the probability analysis because which inputs belong to which outputs and you have multiple people involved. With Wabi Sabi, they don't have any set denominations. So they mix and match a variety of many different denominations, and that allows you to coin join different amounts um, and be more change efficient. But it's really hard to fundamentally analyze what kind of privacy you get out of it because it ends up in these transactions that are 300 inputs, 300 outputs, like maybe there'll be five of the same of one out, you know, one output amount or input amount. And there's five of the same, like it's, it's very hard to actually understand or verify what kind of privacy you achieve with it, which is a concern for me because I just have like, when I look on chain on an equal input output coin join, it's easier to uh, kind of verify what kind of privacy you get out of it. And then the third thing is in practice, what you see a lot is outputs getting ground down to dust levels. Specifically, I believe it's 5,000 5, outputs, and the user has no granular control over that. Um, now, if you're someone like Marty and you're willing to bet uh, that uh, you'll always be able to confirm one sat per byte forever, that might be a fine trade-off for you. But I, I'm a bit concerned that there's going to be a, a large amount of Wasabi users that don't realize they have you know, 20, 30 really tiny outputs um, and fees you know, continue to rise and, and, and there's strong demand for freedom money in Bitcoin um, and mempool is never clear again and then you're stuck with a bunch of outputs that are dust. But it should be just automated to send to the Tor Foundation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like all dust just goes to the Tor Foundation. 
Yeah, so supposedly this update fixes that dust issue. So we'll see if that's if that's the case. Oh, look at that. Uh, decomposition that produce change outputs are now rarely chosen. Apparently this version fixes that. Yeah, but it doesn't really that that doesn't the the wording doesn't inspire much confidence. Yeah, I mean the solution so we'll see, is we'll see if that's market. actually the case. All right, BTC Pay Server version 1.11.0, complete overhaul of invoicing report, proof uh, uh point of sale cart redesign and a bunch of other cool stuff. Just let Marty read them. He reads them so much better than you. I know. Uh Marty, can you do the next one? What do we got here? Samurai version 0.99.98H. New features. Verify signed messages. <laughs> Another new feature. Sweet time lock fidelity bond is an addition to existing sweet private key tool. New UI addition of join bot toggle on deposit and post mix send screen. New UI addition is a UTXO screen select all button and new in app error logs. Yeah, he does do this good, man. Any uh, any comments there on uh, Samurai, Matt? He has years of practice. <laughs> the join bot thing is interesting. They've had this ability. So like when you send out of Samurai by default, it does something called a stonewall, which makes it look like a coin join, even though it's not a coin join. And then they have a feature called Stonewall 2X, where it's actually a coin join that looks like that first stonewall. Um, with the idea being that people do these two-person uncoordinated coin joins, and as a result, it breaks the probability analysis of a regular transaction because that also looks the same on chain. So this this join bot takes that and like you do a Stonewall 2x, you do one of these actual two-person uncoordinated coin joins, but you do it with them. Um, so obviously, you don't have privacy from them, uh, but it could be a very practical tool for just average people. Don't want to have some kind of. Are people um, running their own dojos? Chain privacy, not from Samurai. Yeah, I mean, I think a decent amount of people are running their own dojos, uh, but I yeah, think I think the overwhelming, the overwhelming majority of people are not running their own node. Uh, they're using Samurai's node, but the overwhelming majority of Whirlpool liquidity is 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 most likely impossible to verify full node users because they're running it 24-7. They have a large amount of liquidity in the system. Like it kind of, it tends to reason that that would be the case. So are they spooks? Um, and anecdotally, it has been the case. But this is irrelevant of either of those because you're literally just doing a two-person coin join with Samurai. You're straight up doing it with Samurai. But this is where the disconnect from like uh, Bitcoin tech circles and the actual users stems from because average users don't go, they, they use very, a lot of average users use very practical tools that are, seem really dumb otherwise. I, I mean, the, the perfect example is the, I forget what they called it, um, Ricochet, where it's like literally just a transaction that just goes through five addresses before it re reaches its destination. It gives you no on-chain privacy benefits, but it, it breaks like the, just the, the standard chain analysis rule on exchanges that they check back like four addresses. So, oh, we just ricochet five addresses. A lot of people fucking use that. And then their threat model, like it makes sense to them. Yep. Keeper. Marty, we're relying on you here. 
<laughs> Here we go. Keeper version 1.1.2 has been released. This looks like a quick release after version 1.1.0. In version 1.1.2, we have collaborative wallets, create, sign, and share multi-sig on tap using NFC or airdrop functionalities. The earlier version had assisted inheritance key, so it signs after a delay of 30 days, giving the owner a chance to decline the request. Inheritance support documents, so if you want to know how to use this tool, they've got safeguarding tips, letter to the attorney that you want to uh, help you with your inheritance, recovery instructions for the air, dark mode, which is one of pe- people's favorite features. Good to see that added to Keeper. Uh, you've got the ability to hide hot wallets, and they open source the code finally. This is good to see. Cool. Yeah, it's an interesting project, and uh, there is a lot of overlap with uh, with what Nunchuck is doing. We we did a whole episode about inheritance with lawyers, and it's always funny because, like, you know, the law doesn't care about cryptography. So, like, do go check with a lawyer <laughs> because just because you have the private keys, it doesn't mean it's yours and somebody dies. <laughs> Two reactions to that. One is that Rob Rob Hamilton's great line is is technology will you know will lead the legal system by about 90 years typically <laughs> and so we've got we've got a whole another lifetime before laws are able to catch up to relevant tech um, and by then we'll be 90 years ahead from there so we'll be dead hey. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> and then the second is like you know you you, you hear a lot of times like Ownership is 90% of the law or possession is 90% of the law. This is the 10%. Once you go to probate court, you're in the 10%. That's right. Actually, so, into 1% because it's going to get disputed. <laughs> um, so, like, the, the, wor- the worst thing you can do is, is end up in probate, uh, especially with Bitcoin. So, the, the best thing you can be doing is hiring a really good tax accountant and setting up trusts and putting as much of your UTXO into trust LLC vehicles. Oh, you don't, Matt doesn't agree. But if you're going to go down the docks road, there are hundreds of years of tax law that you can structure around. It's not all or nothing. You can have both. You can have both paths. Uh, And also remember this, okay? Uh, there is a high chance, especially if there is minors involved, that, you know, like a state sheriff or somebody may hold possession of assets while it's been disputed. And can you imagine how the keys are not going to get stolen <laughs> if there is a, a seed plate and encrypted in the hands of the law? <laughs> that never happened before. Um, so keep that in mind. Yeah, just look at how much, look, look, at, look at the civil act. Civil asset forfeiture, like look at how much cash police departments have sitting in their vaults that that walks away. Um, yeah. So we have we have a long track record of the state taking physical possession of bearer instruments uh, and those bearer instruments going away. Yeah, well, it always disappears. I would just say, like, don't get the state involved in your non-state money. That's the whole point of avoiding probate. Without thinking through the consequences of those actions. That's why like get setting up like a common law trust, whether it's revocable or irrevocable, I think irrevocable is probably preferred is the way to go with this stuff. And it's then, different in every jurisdiction. So seek lawyer advice, but yes. No, but you're still, 
if you do go the trust route, you are getting a lot of people involved, including the state, with your your Bitcoin and how much you have. And keep not not, keep no, not necessarily. Point. They don't yeah. have to know anything. Common law trust. You don't have to get the state involved. So would you just have notarized documents with the lawyer? Have, I mean, you have you have a trust sort of mandate that you set up in the beginning. Yep. And then you have trustees that you trust with the keys. Yeah. Because keep in mind when you when you die, your estate your estate goes through probate, which is the which you know you all of your possessions default to state review unless you take measures against it. Right. That's the right. default position is the state getting involved after you die. But that's why most people should have multiple solutions because there is a, a, a you know a non-zero chance that one of the paths may be compromised, right? Like it could be lost, it could be then you're fucking fighting for insurance, whatever. So non-state solutions, state solutions, business solutions. <laughs> Matt's just shaking his head. It's so good. <laughs> now Bitcoin fixes this. That's right. Not yet. We Bunker need to cover the woods. No, no, we need covenants. Because see, yeah, you need if, covenants. We, <laughs> if we if we had covenants, no joke, you could create f- problems that are solutions really for the state because you could make things in a way that like you could completely bypass and there's absolutely fuck nothing they can do. <laughs> you know, like they literally can't move the funds. And and neither can you as the as the as the as the beneficiary, right? So like it's like it's just there without <laughs> you know without co- without covenants without covenants you can as well, right? At least on the on the mini script front, you get a lot of power that you can do there, right? Now there is no and difference even without mini script. No, you have absolutely nothing that you can do with mini script, like in regards to this, like yeah, you can do the decaying multisig, but that's still like. You know, and also with that, the problem is that you have to 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 uh, uh, turn all the UTXOs every time you span. All the the shit is not there yet. <laughs> I'm just saying it gives you more options there. The decaying multisig is pretty interesting. Let's say that geographically distributed multisig outside our jurisdiction has a higher chance of being useful than like most of this stuff. For now, until we have comments. that's what I'm saying. We already have, and we already have that. Yeah, but you're gonna need, you know, keys in Monaco, keys in whatever, and hopefully those countries don't give in, and you know, shit gets weird. Yeah, well, that's why everybody used BX wallets to generate their seeds, and nobody has Bitcoin anymore. Yeah, I mean, I just want to get this right because I'm starting my stack fresh, so I'm trying to figure out like, do do I get a lawyer involved? Do I like put it all through the trust system? Uh, you had a mini script accident using PX wallet. I, I my tragic mini script accident hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting for a little bit more adoption. I mean, this isn't financial or wealth advisory uh, <laughs> advice, but uh, I don't know. I think if you set up an irrevocable common law trust, and then you pick trustees, it could be a combination of like lawyers, a trusted family member, and somebody else. Set up a multi-state, multi-sig, and really nail down the deed and what you're allowed to do within that trust with the keys specifically, I think it could be. But what do you get solution. out of that? Like what's the benefit? Privacy, tax advantages, uh, no, no going into probate when you die, things like that. 
I think a lot of people are going to have a rude awakening when they have to deal with uh, with estate issues later on. Regardless, even if you're going to go the no state route, still talk to a fucking lawyer. You don't have to tell them how much there is, how it's set up or anything. Just get some reasonable advice and a good scare because it's, it's like horrific uh, how this stuff normally plays out. All right, mempool.space. How do we feel? No, 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 no. We're not done with the conversation yet, MBK. Um, okay, so just hear me out. Hear me out. I'm curious. Um, single Bitcoiner, right? Done pretty well for himself. Has a decent stack of Bitcoin. Meets a girl. Ideally, been through like two bear markets with her, but let's say he hasn't. Right. He has she's relatively, you know, she's only been at the top of the market, whatever. It's been like a year, year and a half. They're getting married. He wants to have new Bitcoiner children, so they're getting married. Does he does he get a prenup or does he not disclose that Bitcoin to the state? What is his decision in that? No, it, it, this is not mutually exclusive. He he can have a prenup that does not disclose the Bitcoin or the quantity of it. She can just forfeit the right to any previous marriage stuff. I think the whole point of a prenup is is you put all the assets you put all the assets down on a piece of paper and you're saying this is how we split it up. So so here's the thing. It is it is more ideal, right? It makes court a lot more clear and easy if the if the assets are sort of disclosed and, and all sort of itemized. But if they aren't, if he can prove that he bought that Bitcoin before the date that he says he don't get anything before this date, then you know, then he's he's got a good chance. So you're recommending just like a very, just like a in the prenup, it's just like assets held before this date and doesn't list out the assets. Kind of, yeah. Well, the the problem is this: the default. This is the challenge. Okay, you're actually in the wrong if you get if you in most jurisdictions that are common law. Okay, if you sort of like split up, uh, your partner will get like default rights to half of the appreciation of anything that you had. Not the thing, the appreciation, but being Bitcoin 10 years, like <laughs> it's kind of a biggie. <laughs> so, is it appreciation uh, from marriage or the appreciation from acquisition of asset? No, yeah, so the appreciation since you got married. Or since you right, yeah. that's what I figured. Since you became common law, really, because that could be before getting married. So even if you're just living together, your partner may already have act, may have rights to it. So, you know, the, the issue is like, let's say you don't disclose, right? Like you just have it; it's yours, and you just, you know, rightly think that is yours. Unfortunately, the law doesn't agree with you, you, you know, and you split up. Uh, you know, even if she's great. Super nice, right? Let's say you, you know, she hits her head now and is like completely different personality and wants to sue you for it. You're fucked. <laughs> it has happened, by the way. This this is a thing. Like, dude. So my my wife is an estate lawyer, right? Like, the the, the amount of horror stories you hear from this shit, like. And then there is like the anecdotal one through the lawyer vine of like people who hit the head, change personality and now became a fucking dick. Um, you know, nice excuse as well. But like there is a lot of stuff out there and and you don't want to be on the wrong side of the law, even though you're morally correct. Ideally. And and th 
this is this is what people don't understand about prenups generally and why they don't frame them properly. Up, that, yeah, of, of course, but, or, or 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 marriage contracts, right? But like, what you don't understand is when you get married, you're implicitly entering into a contract between you, your partner, and the government. The government is a third <laughs> yes. party yes. to your marriage contract. They're co-signers. Unless you detail, <laughs> right? Unless you detail explicitly the nature of that relationship in a prenup, postnup, et cetera, you're implicitly agreeing to the state's role in your marriage. And so, you know, people are, you know, people, I think, I think prenup, postnup gets a bad rap because it's not love then, but no, it's the most base thing you can do because it excludes the state from your relationship, which is a very loving thing to do for your family. Or you could just avoid all of this and get the assets technically out of your possession and into a trust structure and create yes. strict also that sort of exactly. guidelines. Totally. No, but remember, trust can Unless be broken qualify too. for Medicaid. No, no, shit, shit's not that simple, guys. Trust can be broken, okay, especially by children. And then when you die, uh, the, the children can try to make, especially if they're minors, the state can try to come after a huge chunk of it for the kids because they have rights to it. Uh, normally, the partner only gets a part. It, your 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 spouse in most locations don't default to get everything. It's split between them and the kids, with them being allocated an extra little part. So that's a, a, lots of headache. People find that out later. So then now the fucking like junky child now has access to like a fucking half of the estate. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to software. Fuck the state. Mempool dot space. <laughs> Marty, please. All right, let me pull it up. I'm on an iPad here for everybody listening at home, so I don't have a, a screen to switch tabs. Mempool.space. We've got the Mempool clock clock launched. I hope this isn't competing with uh, with the block clock. Uh, we got I'm Bitcoin curious. calculator launched. No, it's a software clock. It's like Mempool.space less clock. It was a joke. It was a joke. I know. Some version 3.0 updates are already live. They re-implemented their block template algorithm in Rust for improved accuracy and performance. Uh, for those of you uh, who don't remember, during the Ordinal's fee congestion in April or May, there was a lot of orphan blocks or more than normal. And it became known that it was likely the block template algorithms that miners were using. And so it looks like Mempool is looking to get ahead of that problem and re-implementing theirs in Rust. They began visualizing both mempool full RBF equals zero and a mempool full RBF equals one transactions together on the RBF timeline. They forked Blockstream and Electris to mempool slash Electris. Uh, they made many fixes and improvements to that. It's a breaking change, so mempool slash mempool 3.x will require mempool slash Electris 3.x if you're running that. So if something breaks, that's probably why. Uh, they started integrating Mempool Accelerator, which is one of the products they're going to use to monetize mempool.space. Uh, and now they display an index on pay-to-pub key outputs using their public keys. Uh, they made Mempool block, block scrollable, and they imported historical Mempool data from 2017 to 2018. You know what I'd love to see? A, a Mempool Accelerator charity pool. So, like, people who broke and stuck with that ETX, so they can't move. They just put their yeah. transaction there, and people just donate to make it go faster. Well, that's, I mean, 
that's a topic that's come up a lot in the past is like i think people call them dust jubilees like will there that's be right. dust jubilees in the future it'd be pretty funny right like you're gonna no have shot. this this one utxo that gonna that's gonna that's like nearly nothing dust and it's gonna cost a fucking fortune to move it'd be pretty funny if people help it would have to be miners yes i mean it'd be a miner essentially giving you block space for free yeah um i don't know any of those miners um no, well, well, but community could help out, you know, try to try to make a go by donating a few a few sats to the to the accelerator. I mean, the demo was the best part. Maybe have a social estate spin up a mining operation. Right, uh, Trudeau is going to help you move your transactions. Oh yeah, so you like you go and you verify your identity, and you're like, <laughs> I'm a nice taxpaying citizen, so <laughs> you should subsidize my trans here, and then you submit the transaction ID, and then That's and then right. Trudeau confirms it for you. Well, I mean, they they do that for healthcare, right? I mean, like essentially, we have horrific healthcare, but it's it's uh, covered of your taxes, so they're gonna have a transaction. Are you uh, gonna transaction? Have socialized transaction fees. That's right, socialized Canada? transaction fees. <laughs> if you're Canadian, I had you to wait to... three thousand blocks, but that's I got right. it for free, and that's, that's what matters. That's right, and and it cost them, you know, a hundred thousand x to make that work too, right? Because it's government. That makes sense to me. All right, uh, my citadel. Wait, before we move on, I just wanted to say um, on the mempool stuff. When, uh, like Marty said previously, when there was like a massive amount of mempool congestion, mostly because of ordinals and inscriptions, Electris actually broke under the pressure, and so mempool. My understanding is mempool submitted a lot of fixes. Uh, to Electris maintainers. Those fixes did get implemented, but they wanted to further make the project more robust, and that's why they've essentially forked it, and now they're maintaining their own fork. So if you're in search of uh, a high-powered Electrum implementation, this new Electris is is, is supposedly uh, very compelling. Fulcrum is dope, too. Fulcrum, that's right. It was nice that uh, Mempool added out of that get block template optimization to their product. However, like had the mining pools implemented that? Cause that, that's essentially what created the orphan blocks, right? Was the mining pools having. The whole point of mempool accelerator is essentially it's a product for, I'm, not talking, about, I'm not talking about the accelerator. I'm talking I about know, the, I know. Yeah. I'm saying it's a product for end users. Hey guys, guys, this is not the rabbit hole recap. Okay. You guys can chill. It's also a product. It's also a product for mining pool operators, right? So presumably, when mining pools decide to opt into the mempool accelerator program and get their cut of proportional fees based on hash rate, they're also accepting uh, mempools templates. Don't inherit that. But Harry, like you know this, yeah, there it, is a lot we, of we very shitty mining software out there. It's honestly unbelievable how bad it can be. <laughs> So we we had some really good discussion um, with the mempool folks and with some of the pool operators on the heels of the the you know let's call it inscription weekend, um, where you know number one is that the mempool implementation that no or that that mining pools use is significantly larger than the mempool implementation you'd use on a home node. So home node, I forget what it caps out at. If it's like 300, 300 megs. meg, 
um, what pools are using implementations that are that are like five times bigger than that because they need to see a broader view of the pending transactions in order to give sort of the best optimized block templates from a revenue and fee revenue perspective. Um, so I think that the good news is that the congestion and the pressure that we've seen is forcing the software side at the, at the pool level to improve and to expand. Um, but, you know, that being said, like, not all pools are created equal. So I think, you know, hopefully what, what we see is an increasingly competitive environment where the better pools are going to be able to demonstrate how much better they are based on how they implement some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, this naturally works itself out, right? Because up until now, for the for the overwhelming majority history of Bitcoin, uh, miners their main their main reward is the subsidy, is not transaction fees. Once transaction fees can you know continue to trend upwards in terms of of a, a portion of the total reward, like so it's the, not going to clear. Pools are going to be incentivized to to figure out you know how they can make as much transaction fees as possible. And anyone who's not doing that is going to be at a competitive disadvantage and will lose well, out. But, but, but hang on a second. If we have drive chains, uh, they're going to just make money on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think people understand how exposed the pools can be to some of these fee changes, right? So let's say, because like the, the way that the payout structure works for the pools that pay per share. So there's like two, there's two schools of thought on like how mining pools pay miners. The first is like the brains model, which is you just get paid based on the blocks that the pool finds. The other model is like what Foundry does where you get paid just based on the compute that you generate and the shit, you know, your pool shares to the pool each get assigned a revenue number based on the backward looking um, network wide revenues, right? So now let's imagine that you're running a pool business and you're paying in the second category and you don't find any of the, any of the high fee blocks. And let's just say the first half of the day fees are one BTC per, per, uh, block. But for the second half of the day, it's 0.1 BTC per block. So there's significant volatility there. The pool is paying out to the miners based on the blend across all of those hours, even if they don't find the blocks with the higher fees in them. So the pools are exceedingly incentivized to be finding the highest fee blocks that they can because they have significant financial exposure, at least some of them do, if they don't find the high, blo the high fee blocks. And we only expect that dynamic to continue. Is the payout uh, uh, calculation and sort of studies done like kind of similar from the two models? I imagine it would be, right? Because otherwise... Well, so over, over a long enough sample, for sure, the problem is the short-term volatility. Like these businesses are, are going to struggle with, with digestion problems and liquidity problems, not on sort of an average basis over a long enough period of time. So if you're, you know, if you're the balance sheet that's funding the pool you've got good luck days and bad luck days and the bet. And if you have enough bad luck days in a row, that may be enough to exhaust your ability to, to continue operating the business. But 
the bad luck days are exacerbated now with a second variable. It's not just mm. how many blocks you find, but is it do you find the good blocks with high fees in them? Yeah, and with the good this, blocks. Like going down this particular example, I think this is why Riot transitioned from brains to foundry. And I think this will be particularly important to publicly traded miners that they do uh, financial filings and shareholders if they don't understand block reward variance within Bitcoin and they see month to month revenues are significantly different. They get, they get a bit spooked. So I'm sure the PowerPoint presentations to the shareholders does not really get into the details or of like how fucked you are <laughs> on this lottery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm no. pretty sure to go further into what Harry was saying. I mean, we you you see this on Ethereum all the time, um, but you don't see it on Bitcoin as much. And we started to see it a little bit. It's been a little bit more common with the ordinals inscription craze or whatever. But like there was a situation where there was a specific NFT sale on Bitcoin inscriptions, and there was one block. There was one block that just got like 5x, 6x the average fees of every other block. And obviously that block has, you know, there's massive demand by miners to be the one who who has that block and has all those transaction fees. And there's interesting second order effects of that. I mean, particularly the most obvious one is that it's more likely to get uh, orphaned or reorged um, because a miner that's instead of working on the next block, maybe they want to work on the existing block plus the next block and try and, and take those rewards for themselves. I think as Bitcoin becomes this, you know, standard money of the world, we should operate under the assumption that there's going to be situations where that happens because there's going to be, regardless of, and you know, NFTs are mostly a distraction. I mean, it's wrought with scammers and whatnot. But if it's the money of the world, there's going to be periods of time where there's 10-minute period of time, 50-minute period of time, maybe blocks haven't confirmed in a while, where a lot of financial transactions need to be settled. And those those periods of time are going to see very high fee spikes that happen. Oh, they're, they're going to be like ginormous, right? Because it's, it's, it's like the, the relative size for economic value of that block is going to be absurd, right? Like, let's say, for example, you know, like things are a bit clogged, right? Just say like that week and all of a sudden, like there is some weird trade happening in the world and like fucking BlackRock and like another 50 ginormous companies want to put through, you know, a few billion dollars worth per transaction that they are making in the aggregate would be like insane block, right? Uh, they will pay, like they, they will pay a hundred million dollars to get it through, right? And uh, and that's going to be completely lopsided to the previous block. It was like you know maybe a hundred thousand dollars, and it would make economic sense to these people to do so. I mean, we we don't know how the shit plays out. I mean, we really don't. And but we but we already have some really interesting natural experiments in traditional financial markets. Like this isn't about money, but it is about settlement. So like if you look at at um, like single stock volatility around the days that options contracts expire, you already start to see this relationship between the underlying asset having enormous volatility around these periods of heightened settlement on the options contract side. And so they're going to be become these dynamics where, you know, the, the if you think of like the Bitcoin block 
as the underlier and then, or I'm sorry, the Bitcoin block is the options contract and the fees and the, and the demand for block space within the block as the underlier. You're, you're already starting to see this dynamic where there's sort of this like expiration concept, which is like the next block arriving or the next confirmation arriving. How, how long did we see futures contracts for blocks from miners? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, oh, it's going to happen. I, so so I think next I've already cycle. done this. Yeah, I've already I've already done a test a test trade on this, which is basically a hedge on intra block transaction fees over a period of time. So there's all there's all I've, you know I've, I've already thought about this sort of revenue uplift for miners to be able to rather than do like this MEV out of band bullshit, like it, rather than trying to uh, do this type of hedge off chain, you just do it synthetically. And, and so you don't even interact with the blocks at all. You you mine exactly as normal, but then you enter into a contract with somebody like a cash app um, or or somebody who's doing significant withdrawal volumes. You look at the average fee per transaction. Let's just say that that's one. And then you look at the average that their withdrawal users are paying and call that two. The miner should be willing to accept you know, some, some ver something above one and, and, you know, cash app should be willing to pay something below two to, to basically hedge their next million withdrawals, let's say. And so you'd be able to, to, as a miner, you'd be able to pull in some of these revenues outside of just the native transaction fees that are happening in the block. And basically for every transaction fee that's above, let's just say 1.5, everything above 1.5, that value accrues back to Cash App. And for everything below 1.5, Cash App would pay the miners who enter into this derivative with them. It'd be very interesting how the contract would have to be written on the guarantees that you're going to get those transactions put into blocks exactly. within a certain period of time, right? Ex that, that's the complexity. You need to be on a sufficiently large duration. Yeah, because it's very easy to, to get unlucky and, and not get a block for a while. This is the stuff that I, I just think that the people who are making the arguments of like tail emissions or or, you know, we need we need to come up with a way to pay miners like none of these people are thinking creatively around how the environment for block space and transaction throughput is actually going to mature. All the all these types of products and these types of rails are well developed now. There just isn't the volume and the demand for them yet. But as soon as the demand starts to accrue, like the level of, of Cambrian explosion is going to be enormous. Yeah, people typically look at Bitcoin's historical activity up to this point and try to project that on the future. I just think that's a completely acidite way to look at this. Before we move on to my Citadel desktop, I do want to mention with the mempool, I think it's important to mention like with the, the new get uh, block template algorithm they instituted, I think it highlights... One of the cool things about Bitcoin is that we hit these limits. We hit the limit with the, the ordinal flood in May, and many people weren't aware outside of a few core devs of the inefficiencies of that get block template algorithm. You hit the limit, something breaks, you fix it, and that's how Bitcoin gets better. I just want to say that I said mempools would never clear again before that point. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there is like I don't know. I've heard this this bet, and I get so confused by it. Man, I don't even know anymore. Like, what is the scope of it? What is the time frame of it? Christmas Eve. I, I just assume you're going to be wrong. So that's that's how I'm running it. 
I keep doubling down and Marty keeps accepting the terms. Um, okay. So it is a, it is the bet that has not been settled yet. And right now it's for Christmas Eve because I made the argument that maybe transactions would be reduced on Christmas Day and it might clear that day. <laughs> so the, the bet is mempools do not clear before Christmas Eve. Okay. I want to be clear that mempools will not clear. Okay. You heard it here first. We're going to highlight this part uh, maybe on the show and, uh, you know, we'll put it out there as, uh, as proof. My Citadel desktop <laughs> version 1.4.0. Wait, you can't take that from Marty. No, I just took the headline so he starts reading because otherwise we're never going to move to the next one. Go ahead, Marty. All right, version 1.4.0, we have context menus for transaction, address, and queen list. You can copy TXID address amounts, heights to clipboard via context menu. You have the ability to pay full wallet balance to an address. That should be like a given with any wallet. Come on. Uh, new distributive format is app image. And they include Python packaging and Windows, simplifying the installation process. Very nice. I haven't used this this thing yet, but uh, it seems it seems interesting. And they do seem to pop up like every episode that we do the with with new updates. Well, so Aaron um, was one of uh, the lead developers behind Umbral, and so when they decided to. Uh, have a restrictive uh, software license. He launched My Citadel, which is supposed to be the the false alternative. Oh, I see. So it's still JavaScript. I've never used the project. Okay. All right, Marty. HWI version two point three point zero. They added Jade do-it-yourself devices. They added GUI import slash export of PSBTs. Uh, you can do that to and from the file. And they have Apple Silicon, HWI binary for Mac OS 12.0 plus. So HWI QT cannot be built yet. Cool. Consider that. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, all right. Let's keep on going. We got Blockstream Green version 4.0.11. They added Lightning on-chain deposits and they allow scanning QR code from images. Nice. You can import an image with a QR code now. It's nice. Anybody have anything? No. No. Electris version 0.10.0 is out there. They added ARM build and integration test in uh, Cirrus CI. We call it ARM. ARM? Yeah, it's a, it's a chipset. I know what it is. I've always called it ARM. Well... Been around for a little bit, Rodolfo. I know my chips. Yeah. Arm. <laughs> All right. Libwally Core version 0.9.1. Never heard of Libwally before. Uh, avoid potential resource exhaustions for platforms with odd malic semantics when provided with malicious input. They add support for descriptors containing built in wrappers with constant arguments and empty descriptors via raw. Uh, function, I guess that is what that stands for. Uh, the add various PSBT slash transaction slash witness stack helper functions, and they improve the reliability of clearing memory on all platforms. So uh, LibWally is essentially the glue for you to use Blockstream elements and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what is this is for. 
All right. This is such a long list. We have so much to go through. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Search for the Bitcoin.Review podcast and click subscribe. We've got Blockstream <laughs> Satellite version 2.4.6. Uh, they added support for reporting to a custom Blockstream monitoring server for testing. Uh, environmental variable disable the verification of TBS USB drivers. Generation of man page and bash completion files via makefile. Command block sat dash CLI sat dash IP LS to list the available sat IP receivers. Uh, the support for new satellite API order queues on the API list command, automatic patching and runtime verification of the channel configuration file used by the USB receivers and support for network manager when configuring static IP addresses. This is a cool project. I it's it's such a like a weird one because like satellite feeds are fully centralized, but super useful for the people who are on the right side of this project kind of thing. So I kind of wish there was another one run from a different country. So you can verify against each other. Yeah, like that'd be cool. Also, U U three XO and some of those projects or zero link and those things could become super useful for this. Because right now, the only way for you to really trust Blockstream Satellite, if it's the only feed you have for block data, is by measuring the block difficulty, right? It's not like a slam dunk, but it's kind of like, you know, good solution. Now, if you have like, you know, a cryptographic solution like ZeroLink or U3XO and things like that, uh, then, then you can check signature and, and things get very interesting. But I still think we, we need a second one out there. The hard part to me is that, you know, one of the most powerful parts of this project is that anyone can receive block data yes. uh, privately anywhere in the world. It's a passive tech, right? So, it's, you know, you have a receiving dish, you're receiving this data, but the, the actual satellite doesn't know it's necessarily sending it to you specifically or where yep. you're located or anything like that. So it's hard to monetize directly. It's more of a, and this is, you know, aligns it's with Blockstream's goals, which like, yeah, it's like this, uh, let's, let's create the Bitcoin standard and, and monetize separately from this actual product, right? Do you know what's funny, though? Like, th there is a way to monetize this in a horrible, evil way, which is the same model that uh, XM Radio uses. You can have uh, essentially a radio that you control the stack and is like very nasty for you to try to break the software. But now you have to trust that stack too, right? That's that's how their radios work. You go super proprietary with it all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fucking horrible. I, I think that, you know, things like this is value for value is the only way to really handle it. It's like you put yeah. an address out there and you say, please, please maintain I mean, it or we're going to go away. There's no one listening to Sirius XM for privacy benefits, uh, but there are, you know, at least a handful of people out there using Blockstream Satellite for privacy uh, reasons. Um, and I think it's important that that open nature of, of that project uh, stays that way. And I think they agree with it. Like, I, I don't think Blockstream would ever go that route. You know, uh, this, is, this is one of those projects that would be very reasonable for, you know, a plebe out there goes and sets this up, gets the... Because all you need to do is, you know, set up a, a company or a foundation or something and uh, enter a contract with, uh, with a feed, satellite feed 
provider, right? That's essentially how it works. It's kind of like hiring an ISP kind of thing. And then uh, hitting up uh, OpenSats and saying, hey, guys, uh, could you help me with 10 grand a month to run this? Uh, and it's an open it's an open foundation. It's non-for-profit. You're just paying for my salary and the feed. And uh, there you go. I mean, like you can have a competing solution to this with like, you know, fairly on the cheap. Now, that's a cool project for a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Well, you're listening to two of the nine board members of OpenSats get your grants in. There you go. Uh, MVK is going to recuse himself because it was his idea, but I don't think I have to recuse myself in this situation. I don't think I have to recuse myself for being an idea. <laughs> Do I? That sucks. No, I don't think so either. I was most. Don't have any financial interests. You should be good. That's right. We do recuse ourselves when financial interests are involved. Yes. Marty's sipping on a Guinness over there. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Deserves a shout out. I'm not drinking until Friday, man, so I can start losing some fucking weight. So I've been doing that now for a few weeks. (laughs) For nothing, you'd be happy now. Barefoot. Oh, look at that! I was gonna go to the beach. Look! Look at the. See, this is a bush foot. Ew, ew, get that off the camera, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> My kids are all running barefoot too. It's, it's like awesome. No shoes. I didn't respond to your to your tweet, but uh, my my boys have not worn shoes in the last two months. It's been great. No, it's amazing. My goal is to make them forget that shoes exist. And then when they go back to school, they, they are again odd ducks, right? Like the, the goal is to make them not match society anymore slowly with the small things, right? So you never have to worry about institutionalization, you know, like schools and things. They also poop in the woods the other day. I saw that. Oh, man. Um, moving on. We got to keep the show moving. We got a big <laughs> list to get through. We got start OS version 0.3.4.4. They have uh, HTTPS over Tor for faster UI loading times. They change the password through UI and they use IP address for network folder backups. So for those of you who are unaware, StartOS is the sovereign operating system produced by Start9 Labs. They also have a non-commercial license too, right? It's like open but non-commercial. And they have nice hardware. It seems that all the people with good hardware are moving to yes. non-commercial uh, uh, licenses. I see a trend. I wonder why. All right. Uh, 10, 10, 1, Marty. 10, 10, 1. It's a very interesting project. Version 1.2.0 has been released. Automatically retry spendable outputs if not successfully published uh, and permit the closure of the LNDLC channel in any intermediate state. So 10, 10, 1 is leveraging DLCs to bring, I guess, swap trading products to Bitcoiners if they want them as, as well as other things. And I think they're the first to implement Digital Garage's uh, Lightning Network DLC solution. Which, what does that leverage? Uh, extension signatures to make that happen? Yeah, they, they definitely need the uh, adapters, signature adapters, I think, to make that stuff work. Adapter signatures. Yeah, they use adapter signatures, not extension. It seems like an interesting little project. Uh, I, I I haven't used it, but like I don't know, it just comes up here and there. Does that mean you can go 100x long without KYC? Uh, I'm not sure if they have like a, a margin trading product. So what is it? What can I trade? 
I think it's like a swap strategy. Um, I don't know if it has that much leverage. What does that mean? What do you mean by swap strategy? Let me go to the website. Give me a second. <laughs> I know you're on an iPad. I'm already on the website. Like, does this just let me be a degen with DLCs? It's like atomic finance. I think that's what it lets me be. Yeah. I'm looking at it. It looks like BitMEX, but with DLCs. Trading without counterparty. They even have a nice little slider where I can up my leverage with good UX. <laughs> it's that easy here and money oh, gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it is leverage trading. I guess Atomic Finance has like the, uh, the perpetual swap product. Yeah, for like uh, a pseudo stable coin or whatever. Yeah. Where it's pegged to the dollar because it's a... Uh, but you know, like I can't imagine... Like honestly, like I, I can see a lot of businesses that are a little bit more dependent on the on the cash flow being being more on par with fiat, but don't want to hold fiat and don't want to hold tether. You know, maybe they find some hedges, right? So that yeah, like open sats, exposed exactly, right? It's like we were talking about open sats, where like some of our, I mean, some of our grants are denominated in dollars, but like yep. we we don't want to hold, we don't have bank accounts, like bank accounts fucking suck. Like the whole point is it's supposed to be a Bitcoin native foundation in the first place. Yeah, but you know, it's it's the case where it would be nice to hedge if there was a, a reasonable way of hedging it. That's what I'm saying. If if there was a trust minimized, no KYC way to do that natively with Bitcoin, I think there's an advantage there. But let's be honest, like if any of these things take off, it's because they enable degen trading with no KYC. Oh, absolutely. That's the market. Yeah. See, see, my, that's my, the use you, case. You, you, that's you, the you, real no, use see, case. You're missing the point, right? The liquidity providers are the degen. They provide the liquidity for you to have a stable. Or the degens for us normal people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They are where no, I agree. the money comes from. <laughs> that lines up. And if, if the first 15 years of Bitcoin has taught us anything, but there's plenty of degens out there. So. Oh, yeah. Death taxes and degens. You haven't even started. All right, Brainbow. Brainbow version 0.1.149 has been released. They switched from light to dark mode. I can't believe they're not giving people the toggle option. Just forcing dark mode on people. They improved the UI. Always on mode ensures that the wallet remains active, even when using slow connections, preventing it from going idle. They have coin selection. Uh, and then they have a release note. The project maintainers are looking for feedback. Issues can be reported on Twitter slash X or by filing an issue on GitHub. And I just want to note that there's been two project updates with with features that should be out of the box. Coin selection and spend all should like just be automatically included in every wallet. Am I wrong? Uh yeah, I mean, I'm pretty I'm sure more LMD just, still does not have coin selection, but I agree. I'm just taking offense by Twitter slash X. It's just Twitter. Right. Start nine. This is a big one. Start nine. They have a simple X server for Start OS is now available on the Start Nine registry. So Simple X is a peer to peer message. Is it peer to peer? Is it just yes? Um, yeah, it's peer-to-peer. Yeah, MDK, and you have... hit me up on StartX. We connected. You, you never messaged me. And you can host your own server, which yeah, is what this uh, is for. Yeah, so 
Simple X is really, really cool new protocol to do like forward privacy DMs. Uh, they do the coordination using Tor. The default, like they they gracefully degrade to DNS uh, needed if needed. You know, the founder is sort of like super on the right track with this stuff. Uh, I think I think given given another year, this thing is going to be competitive with Signal on ease of use because that is their goal. Uh, I really think it's not a signal. I know Spookadel is like a. a it's complimentary, a, uh, bro. It's complimentary. Maximalist. Spookadel. Fucking ridiculous. Cloner NVK. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, boys. Settle down. Odell, like there, there is no reason on why Simplex cannot improve its UX to be on par with Signal. There really isn't. Like, because they could even add... Okay. Like, go ahead. First of all, MBK, SimpleX is fucking awesome. Um, I agree with you on a lot of it. Uh, I mean, you said the graceful tour to ClearNet. Uh, what, what also I think is really cool is you can put your own server in, and if your own server is down, then it'll gracefully go to, like, the main yep. servers. Uh, that are that are already hosted by them, and to understand the difference between Signal architecture and SimpleX, with Signal, the apps are completely open source, um, but they're the only ones who can run the servers. So we're trusting their servers uh, in that situation. Uh, MVK's bigger concern is that they use phone numbers as user identifiers, uh, so there's metadata concerns um, in addition to that, but. Uh, the, the major censorship concern is in an environment like we're seeing in the UK right now, Signal can get banned in that environment. There's actual people that run the servers and they know who they are and they can fucking get banned. We obviously want solutions that allow us to host our own servers so we don't have to rely on a centralized company or nonprofit to run them. I think it gets worse, right? Because the, the issue is, too, that if you're downloading Signal from the Apple Store or from the Google Store, a uh, state actor very easily could add backdoors to the app. And now they have your phone number. They can link your social graph and they can decrypt all your fucking stuff. Right, right. But I will, I will, say, I will say that Signal has, has probably the most graceful ux forward convenience yes. forward i mean there's concern obviously with trusting them but one second you don't know this i don't think on android as an apk installed outside of the app store they've gone great lengths to make that very easy for people obviously you add a a, a factor where it's outside the store though where signal can submit a bad update no no but my point is 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 i do tons of apks outside of the app store Signal's the only one that like gracefully has auto updates and everything else that right. comes with it. You're, you're treated like a first-class user if you do outside of the App Store APK installs. I will just say, what was the precursor to Signal? Uh, it was called... Uh, Trema? Tech Secure, I think. No, there was Trema as well. Trema is actually quite used in Europe. No, no. Trema is a completely different app out of Switzerland, also open source, can't run your own server, um, not tied to phone numbers. But there was TechSecure, which was the original Signal client. It, it turned into Signal. They rebranded it to Signal. Right. My point is, is that that was like a decade ago. The amount of UX improvements they've made on that fucking app since then and, and, and the convenience they've added to it is remarkable. It's, 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 to me, it's, it's a miracle in 
it's this like miracle unicorn in freedom tech. Do you know how I know that you're right on that, on the UX? What? My butcher is on it. <laughs> like, no, no, here's the best part. Exactly. He literally found it by himself and accidentally found me because I, he had my phone number on his list. And of course he uploaded his whole contact list to their servers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like, he's like, Hey, Rodolfo. <laughs> well, technically it's a hash, but yeah, I agree. Mm. I mean, that's that's what the implementation dictates. Uh, it's a hash of the phone number. But anyway, that's not my, my point is my point is, is when we when we look at what we, where we want to be, we want to be in a place with many different options and that users can be educated and choose which options are the best for them. And the niche that Signal fills currently in specifically message encryption, but also just like in greater software tool circles or whatever is a niche that is very unfulfilled. Like there's not many projects that operate in that niche, which is a niche that is incredibly user-friendly, featureful, pretty, works really well, it's reliable. I send you a signal message, you don't respond. I know it's. I know you're either avoiding me or you haven't opened the app. Okay, we get it. Odell has mobile coin bags. But aside That's from that... Whatever happened to mobile coin? Like mobile coin. Yeah. No, no. But hang on. Like one thing they have achieved, and this is a huge fucking deal, is that they bridge the divide. And that's not on signal. That's not mobile coins. Not on signal. That's on Moxie. That's on Moxie. He left. Hang on. One thing they have achieved is that they managed to bridge the gap of encrypted messages between iOS users and Android users. I know this because, like, I have a good like friend who like it's like a uh, normie world but also bitcoiner and the families their his family is on android my family is on ios and we couldn't have a, a family group chat with the wives and us uh, that was encrypted before but after like you know signal was around you know that was possible but we're soon to be uh migrating to simplex yeah i just don't think simplex fills that same use case I, I, it's just a completely it's co- it's complementary. It's a whole different ball game. I don't think they want to accomplish that use case. That's okay, Odell. You can still unload your mobile coin bags. Moxie can go fuck himself for a mobile coin, but uh, he was rightfully pushed out of the org. Going, after. going back to signal holding a hash of your contact info, so you upload like hashes of your contacts, and then your secure element on your phone can decrypt them. So, like Marty, I have your phone number in my phone, right? Yeah. I take a one-way a hashes are a one-way function. I take I, yeah. I take your phone number. I make a hash of that phone number, and I get a random string, right? They check to see if that random string has activated on Signal, and then it says I can message you. That's how I know I can message you on Signal. There is no privacy in that. <laughs> Because the carriers have the list of phone numbers. I'm, I'm, this is how this is how they've implemented. But no, just let me just explain this, okay? So the carriers have the list of phone yeah, numbers. Yeah, they can one-way okay. hash and see who signed up for Signal. They can use the same hash function because it's open source, right? And then they have the same exact list. So there Correct. is literally no privacy gain from that. No, no. There is a benefit because you do not have an additional server that has all of that PII information. Okay, fine, fair enough. Like you, you, you are reducing a server. You are using an example where there's another server that has a bunch of PII, and then you're combining it with those hashes. And yes, obviously, okay, you can all right, derive them from. It. That's the metadata, right? That's the metadata. The metadata issue can be very. If you're a Signal user, it can be very obvious where you're using Signal and it says NVK signed up for Signal. 
That's the fucking issue. That that is obviously a concern. It's horrible. My butcher. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, the best was during the Black Lives Matter protests. So many people in my contact book were like signing up for. I like it was like blah blah joined for signal. I was like, oh, he was at the protest today. I was like, hundred percent, he was at the protest. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible uh, leaking a social graph is it's a huge fucking problem. But anyways, they're doing their best. I just wish they had the option for both. There's no reason why they can't offer you the option of saying no to phone number. Listen, if you're normie and you want the phone number, great. But if you don't want the phone number, you could have the option not to. That's uh, that's a no-brainer on my list. One of the coolest things Simple X brought to the table was this idea of a toggle that makes it so you don't even have a username. It's just right. fully ephemeral. Like every every contact you have is different. That's yep. a huge leap forward. I tried using that. It was impossible. Everybody just saw me like yeah. appearing as like some, you know, random two words. Like it was pretty horrible. Yeah, it's <laughs> so like I Fuzzy just, Llama 42 right. just joined the chat. It's like, hey, do you want to send me some Bitcoin? You know, like, so I turned that off. <laughs> How's your trade but going? But it's cool so that, that it's an option. It's cool that it's an option. Harry, are you on, uh, on Simple X? No, not yet. <laughs> okay, that settles it. I use Microsoft Teams and Outlook. <laughs> okay. I will just say that that Rod, our me and Harry's partner at Bitcoin Park, can get very um he can just get emotionally on top of something really quickly. So I just really hope no one says anything to him about Simple X because I said something to him about Signal and he moved the whole organization over to Signal and I just don't feel like transitioning over there. Um, so hopefully no one mentions anything to him about that. Yeah. So far, yeah, Sig- Signal is no good for, for that because then you're leaking your phone number if you're not using a, a burner number. Just use a burner number. If you want to use SimpleX and want to run your own server, go uh, <laughs> get a start Yes, Marty, yeah, Marty. What's computer. next? What's next? River. River. next Marty? We've got River. They added <laughs> a, a new auto withdrawal feature last week or a couple weeks ago. Very good to see. I think it's static address. Um, it is. So it is static. So if you're auto withdrawing, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, people need to auto withdraw. Mining pools—they typically have a, a static address for payouts, and if you have a high limit, it's going to take some time between like hitting that limit if you're mining Bitcoin or stacking Bitcoin. Just like go in and switch out the address. It's a bit laborious, but it's worth it. I mean, it definitely makes it super simple for the average user, right? They like yeah. open Blue Wallet, they copy the address, they paste it in River, and then they have their Bitcoin automatically sent to self custody. And I, I, I talked to Alex about this, and like the reasoning, like as much as I hate single addresses, I totally get it. He doesn't want to like run any risks with people X pubs and generating addresses on his end. Bit forty seven fixes this though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You don't have to deal with those XPUB issues. You just need wallets to support BIP47. But here's the thing. It's a chicken and the egg, right? If River supports BIP47 withdrawals, then maybe more wallets would. But for the starters, they can have a very simple guide, open Sparrow wallet, set up a new wallet, maybe connect it to a cold card, pull out your fucking BIP47 and, and paste it into River. I haven't looked into BIP47. In I know Blue Wallet's working on BIP47 too. So many fucking years. And HRF has a nice two Bitcoin bounty for BIP47. All right, we've got a long list and not a lot of time. Oh, we have lots of time. We can go to three hours. Well, I don't have three hours. 
I have a hard stop in a half an hour. Uh, Bolts update. It's a privacy first non-custodial Bitcoin exchange. They have uniting liquid and main chain swaps in one web app. Uh, you can swap to a taproot address. Now they have liquid swaps now available via the onion domain and increasing liquid swap limits to uh, 10 million sats. A lot of progress there. Nobody uses liquid. Moving on. Nice conversion, Marty. Marty just converted Bitcoin to sats on the fly. That was good. Wow. Uh, been around. Been around. Agoradas version 1.1.9. It's got a new feature. You can configure which notifications you wish to receive. Trades, chats, or payments are added to that list. They've improved country search, now ordered by name, with search functionality by name or code. That seems like a no-brainer out of the box. Okay. One would wonder if they have coin selection and send all feature. Orange Pill app. What do we think about the Orange Pill app? Orange Pill app version 1.4.7 has been released. They added a referral program inside the app. You can earn 10,000 sats for each sign-up. It's for uh, bro dates. It's Bitcoiner bro dates. <laughs> There's like maybe like one woman in that app, and like it's a bunch of dudes who like go to a new city, open the app. It's like, hey, do you want to talk Bitcoin? <laughs> it's essentially grinder for Bitcoiners. <laughs> are, are you MBK? Are you on it? It sounds like no. you're talking from experience. No, I had uh, I had uh, one of their was was it one of their devs or somebody once uh, on the on the show or somebody was related to it. So I got the spiel. Marty, are you an orange pill? I'm happily married and uh, know enough Bitcoiners that I can talk to, so I do not need the app. Harry, are you on Orange Pill app? I am not on Orange Pill app, but I do have people reaching out to me randomly about it, and people are joining meetups. I'm going to get it right now. Can I use this moment to grandstand about how I don't like the term orange pill? Please. I haven't heard this one yet. I'm excited. Yeah, I don't think anybody cares. Really? Like, okay. <laughs> okay, fine. Grandstand about Orange Peel, Matt. I'm actually curious. I, I just, to me, it sounds date rapey. <laughs> it does a little bit, right? Like, I don't need to fucking drop an orange pill in someone's drink to convince them to use Bitcoin. Date's <laughs> okay. already doing that for me. All right, Marty. The last one you're reading. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna plow through the rest here. We're gonna we're gonna go to to two speed. Yeah, what is this? Like the Bitcoin Company version one point three one has been released. They added the ability to purchase the Bitcoin Company gift cards. Yeah, it's uh, you know the Bitcoin Company is a place where you could buy gift cards, and now we're going full circle, and you could buy gift cards of gift cards. There you go. But no, jokes aside, this is um, I think this is a setup. This is a setup for something they want to do for a while, which is if you go into a, like a physical store, you can buy the Bitcoin uh, Company. So like if you go into like Whole Foods, there's like Amazon gift cards, all this other shit. You buy the Bitcoin company gift card and then you get access to it's a ginormous market. Ideally, you can also buy Bitcoin in that situation. So like you buy the gift card with cash and then you switch that to Bitcoin. Yep. Uh, I don't yep. think they've implemented all that other aspects, but they, they it needs to go live in the app first where you can buy the gift cards and it's an actual balance and whatnot. Okay. All, all right. right. Having Project finished the, uh, the software updates... <laughs> Matt, I got a couple of... I'm uh, doing this, Marty. No, I know, but I just want to let you know I've got a couple of items on our list tomorrow that will not be covered here today. So 
Yeah. That's a good point, Marty. And uh, people should search the Bitcoin Dot Review podcast. Been their favorite podcast. <laughs> uh, do, do you guys really uh, think there's a single Bitcoin review <laughs> fan listener that does not know Rabbit Hole Recap? Like seriously, if you were out there. Open up your favorite podcast app, search Rabbit Hole Recap, and click subscribe. Just in case, can never be too sure. Every week. No, it's no, just like it. the same, but like better UX, and there's a screen, it's a different shape. Project <laughs> <laughs> hey. Spotlight, Bitaxe Ultra, a open source <laughs> Bitcoin ASIC miner project based on BM1366 ASIC used in Nminer S19XP. Harry, any comments? Um, I mean, the graveyard of ASIC projects is, is very full. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope not to add another warm body. Okay. No, but like the, the, the thing that people need to understand is that like, the the ASIC tech that Bitcoin mining uses is is not that complex. It's not that edge. So like the the idea that like you could you could open some or or create something that's that's sort of uh, from a documentation perspective very widely available. All of the secret sauce and the edge comes from the ability to produce the wafers with high with high sort of viability of chips per wafer uh, at a cost effective basis. Like that's where all the sauce is, but like generating SHA-256 hashes is very, very rudimentary. It's a high school project. Totally. Yeah. Time chain calendar, real time data from Bitcoin time chain submitted via email by TC, who is a huge fan of CoinKite in the pod. Holy shit, we have a fan. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I bet he doesn't know about uh, RHR. Uh, go check it out. No, he does. I met him. I met him in Nashville during the Lightning Summit. This is there pretty you go. cool. <laughs> I, I like how TC is approaching this, like thinking about uh, comparing, looking at a number of Bitcoin stats, but looking like he's literally using the UX and looking at a card dashboard, trying to figure out how to visualize the state of the network with that in mind, which I like. That's cool. Nerd Miner version. Version two, free open source project that lets you try to reach a Bitcoin block with a small piece of hardware. This is like a super fun way of wasting electricity, like literally wasting, because you're not really adding any hash rate to the network or doing anything meaningful, but it's so cool. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I'd be meaning to put one together. Is it like an open source 21 co computer, essentially? Yeah, yeah. I just it's. I, I think it's even ESP thirty two. I can't remember, but essentially, it's just running a miner. <laughs> we'll never find a block. <laughs> Marty paid a bitcoin for a Raspi, and he's really uh, never going to live that down. Spent and replaced. Spent and replaced. <laughs> so you're seeing have a bitcoin on live on TV, not not TV and not live. But you get my point. <laughs> Marty had Bellagio on for over three hours. Oh, that was the best fucking episode ever. Over four hours. Did not bring up that he paid him a Bitcoin for his fucking expensive ass paperweight. I did before we recorded. And I want everybody to know that I was also running the Bitcoin and generating my seeds. <laughs> That's right. Marty, when we start fresh, we'll start with the trust. That's right. That, that interview was awesome, dude. Like, it was really good. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly can't take credit for it. He just 
went into some deep play state. I was just there for the ride. There was a little bit of that. <laughs> Frost Snap, easy, personalized, secure Bitcoin multisig. Oh, yeah. So this is uh, these guys are building a sort of Frost Bitcoin hardware. For now, it's based on ESP32, which is not great. But uh, it's cool that people are starting to build that for MicroPython and that could be ported to proper platforms. Very nice little project. When CoinKite? What, Frost? Yeah. Oh, it's too soon. Uh, we just we just added now proper taproot signing and stuff. So if that, once that sort of gets out there more, because that's the first step, right? You need people doing Schnorr uh, and all the Schnorr primitives being sort of supported everywhere. I like that you did the experimental releases. I think that's a, a cool idea um, to just get the test builds out there. It's just, it's just too much code that touches money for us to be comfortable having that on main release when 99% of the users are not going to use it. Yeah. When is, uh, when is the Q1 coming out? No dates, but I don't know. We're trying to, like, if it was just dependent on us, we could have it, like, by by the fall, but we can't because the plastic people are so fucking slow. So we're doing iterations on the plastic still. Before or after having? I don't know. I think, I hope like worst case scenario, like Q1 next year, but we'll see. Well, we're looking forward to that. Can you? The software is fucking turning amazing. What comes after the Q1? Uh, what comes after the Q1? The Q2. What's next? And then Q3. And Mark V. Mark V is being actively worked on, but it's going to take a long time. I feel like my high time preference is showing. Like, I was really excited about the Q1, but while waiting for it, I'm now ready for the next <laughs> the next thing from CoinKite. No, the dude, like, I have to start sharing some of the, the little videos of the UI. We're actually just finishing building the simulator for the Q1. And, like, dude, we had to get a GPU... Okay, a one chip solution GPU just to do cursor <laughs> blinking <laughs> because like the pipe uh, to the display is uh, uh, square C. So like there's not enough bend. Anyways, long story. We're essentially developing hardware in the 80s again at, at Quankate. Nice. But some serious security <laughs> offered. Anyways, uh, Lib Floresta. Jesus. Uh, Bitcoin full node at your fingertips. Lib floresta. Why is it floresta? Floresta just means forest in Portuguese. Horrible name. Maybe it's Polstra. Is it named after Polstra? Anyways. Lib floresta provides a series of tools for Bitcoin wallets and applications developers to integrate resources efficiently, blah, blah, blah. Okay, very cool. MBK, did you watch the Blackberry movie? No, I did not. I should? Is it good? Oh, I don't know. No, I was asking your opinion. I it just... Uh... You you were like talking about like hardware in the eighties. Obviously, that wasn't the eighties. It was the nineties, yeah. But it was interesting, at least how they showed it in the movie, like how they developed. Yeah, really amazing stuff. That company was partly killed by state actors too, because they had properly encrypted backends. So all the people that governments in the West don't like were using BBS servers, and uh, you know you can't you yeah. can't have a real company. And and anyways, the state will not let you have comms that are unencrypted and unfucked with just accept that we're gonna have to go around that in other ways 
Well, I remember like before BlackBerry died, they had like, uh, I think it was like the Indian government or something was like, we have to host the BlackBerry's uh, chat servers. Saudis, yeah. everybody, oh, the cartels, <laughs> like, you know, like everybody <laughs> was on BBS, on BIS. <laughs> yeah, SimpleX fixes that. One interesting thing from the movie was uh, the big value prop to BlackBerry for BlackBerry for the telcos was that we were going to reduce our users' bandwidth as much as yep. possible. And then basically Steve Jobs went to them and was like, we're going to make consumers use as much bandwidth as possible so you make more money on bandwidth. And it was like a reversal, a reversal of the incentives, yep. which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, they do have a fantastic OS that came when they were already dying called QNX. They bought QNX, was a small company. It's one of the best fucking Unix ever made for uh, small devices and sort of like industrial applications. If if I was Block, I know they're all listening to us right now, building a phone, what I do is I go, I buy the IP portfolio from BlackBerry, including QNX, and I'd build on top of QNX. Palms was pretty good too at the end, right? WebOS or whatever? Mm, no ish. I mean, they tried to merge. I think with because uh, Android is absolute shit, and it's like you know Google sort of way. No, no. I think LG owns WebOS now. Yeah, it's in all their TVs or whatever. I think they tried to merge with like merge shit with like Android because Android was starting to sort of become a thing because Google went behind them. Yeah, that that time we was exciting. We had different cool shit. I mean, like we had Nokia phones that were interesting, and the communicator, and all kinds of stuff. You gotta go back to that. So there's no monocrop of phones. It's easier for privacy people to find ways out. Yeah, now it's all just like fucking slabs that either run Android or iPhone. I know, right? Like it's so uninteresting. Like I must Boring. say, the slide uh, BlackBerry was horrible. All the slide phones were horrible. All right. Lightning and L2 software updates. Uh, Mutiny wallet now available for testing on Android. All haters can now rejoice with a non-PWA Mutiny solution. Uh, Mutiny node version 0.4.7. Uh, gifting sync contacts from Noster and version 0.4.5. A bunch of other stuff. Very cool. Uh, I love Mutiny being using it. Works great. Yeah, it's great to see an actual Zeus. app rather than just the web app. Sorry, guys. Like, it's not. It's not you guys. It's I have a a massive sort of delay. Fucking brutal. I'll I'll try to stay longer, quiet after, so you guys can start talking. All right, Zeus version zero point seven. Well, anyway, blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> You shouldn't have even told us. Uh, <laughs> uh, Johnny's going to have fun. Zeus version 0.7.7 added confirmation process delete node connection, LNP, LN URL pay metadata, and a bunch of other stuff. Blink version 2.2.1. 04 email authentication added replenish receive screen armenian language and ln url pay codes thanks marty i'll be version 3.0.0 introduction of master key and personalization of albi account login with lightning changes uh, nodeless is now open source 
working on load balancer middleware service for Lightning nodes. Wallets of Satoshi. Version 2.2.4, permanently remove, buy and sell Bitcoin options. Probably getting some regulatory pressure there. <laughs> Who are they offering buy and sell through anyway? I have no idea. Wallets of Satoshi is... Just it feels like a rug pull, rug pull waiting to happen. Yeah, Nayuda Wallet version one point zero point zero support Lightning invoice another app, iCloud backup, Breeze SDK Core version zero point one point four adjust default fees reasonable values introduce custom errors, Loop version zero point twenty six point zero dash beta. Uh, Lightning Loop is a non-custodial service offered by Lightning Labs that makes it easy to move Bitcoin into and out of the Lightning Network. No comments? I think Loop is a low-key killer for Lightning Labs. Really? Yeah. From what I've heard, it does a lot of volume. Why? It does a lot of volume. Yeah, but does it... Like, does that continue? I, I mean... You got to imagine that that is a market that will be carved out as close to free as possible and will get pushed to efficiency and they'll just like the margins have to get reduced across the board. I would agree there. But until then, definitely some uh, some money to be made. So, guys, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to just read the name of the project and the version. And, uh, and then if you guys want to interject or comment on any of them, just let me know in the interest of time. Cashew version 0.13.0. Minibits version 0.0.7 alpha. Lightning terminal version 0.10.4 alpha. RGB core. Taproot Assets, version 0.2.3. I would like to interject. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I'm just looking forward to the tap-ass memes. Tap-ass. Yes. Okay, you can continue. I should should register the domain right now. I think tapass.com is taken already. Probably. Yeah, don't go to that. Don't go to that website, everybody. Don't go to that website. It's it's CoinKite affiliated website, tapass.com. Go check it out for your favorite <laughs> hardware wallet. <laughs> Jotes Rewards announced the launch of Taproot Assets wallet. Thunderhub version 0.13.20. Clams. Clams is a free open source project interface for securely remotely controlling your Core Lightning node. No, it's not Core Lightning, it's C Lightning. Peach version 0.2.12. Uh, Stucker News version 1.2.1. They added Zap comments. When are they going to integrate in Oster? There is no point in a Bitcoin company having content of social nature without Noster anymore. Got to ask Keon. I don't know. Well, I mean, they have the soft integration with Noster where you get a NIP5 from them and they'll also provide you a lightning address, custodial lightning address. Yeah, I know, but it's the content, right? Because, like, they could be feeding into all Noster content and vice versa, right? It's it's like, I bet they've seen a drop in user uh, commenting since Noster sort of started to pop up. Because there's only so much time in people's hands. Yeah, I mean, it's... I- 
It's a greater question, right? Which is, you know, Stacker News to me was a novel, useful project uh, that filled a real need uh, in terms of me keeping up to date with, you know, what was going on in Bitcoin. And then Nostra started to really gain speed. And I like, what does Stacker.News look like in a post-Nostra world? And if, if, if you want, I mean, it, it, is a, it is a business that he's trying to, that Keon is trying to run profitably. And like, I start to think through that in my head, like, what does that look like? What are the monetization schemes in that kind of Nostra world? And I don't really know if there's an easy answer there. I don't think there is an easy answer, and there is already two competitors uh, on Noster. They're just just an, they just launched based on a bounty I had. Uh, one was it's Noster News, <laughs> the other one is uh, let's see here. I want to give them a shout out because it's kind of cool that they're working on it, and the other one is Zapper News. <laughs> So Nostra News and Zapper News. There's no content on it or anything. But the cool thing is on Nostra, they don't have to. Because as soon as it catches up just a little bit, they can feed in every other fucking content from the network in it. Yep. So yeah, it's it's going to get weird. And plus, we want to see the comments on those things being part of Nostra as well, right? That's kind of like the best part of it. Because then they can be on Highlighter and all that. That's stuff. what I'm saying. You lose your moat. Yeah. There's no moat there, which is good for users. There's no moat. But... Keon needs to think hard about that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like the the moat is going to be like good caching and good sort of like user-centric experience things that just make your life nice on it that other devs may not be able to do. Like where does Keon take his vig in that? No, he, he, he I mean, like this specific solution that he created, it would be very hard. It would be like, it, it's, it's, it's hard. Maybe he does the bass value add. But this is just like the this is just like the game of being the, the but there's like three components, right? Like the first is the network effect, the second is the user experience, and then like two A is just the quality of content. And so you're better off being the you know, the the, the bird sitting on the butt of the elephant. Absolutely, because like there's not gonna be like anything else for you to do if Nostra yeah. keeps on going forward. Like, it, it's not like a choice anymore, right? Before, it was all siloed social media. So, like, there was a little bit of a, you could be, you know, the big fish in a small pond kind of thing. But, like, you, you can't you can't do that anymore. It, it's now, you know, just kick ass of user experience and, and, like, hope that you have the right sort of narrative and your users support you. Yep. It's like, it's the same thing that Elon's doing with paying... Everybody with, you know, if you get whatever, you know, 5 million impressions or something, whatever, whatever it is, like, it's the same, it's the same playbook, right? Like getting the network effect, incentivizing the content and then continuing to kind of let the flywheel on the content production spin. I mean, it's completely different because Nostra's open. That's right. You don't have, you, you, there is no owners to the network anymore. But from a user's perspective, uh, no, it's direct because they they can go anywhere. No, 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 of course, but but so it's portability. Yeah, and like open social graph too. You have open yeah. the content is open and interoperable, and the social graph is open and interoperable. Well, Elon is like hanging on. He's like trying to hang on to like the last bastion of closed silo system. What he's selling is permission, right? He is giving yeah. you in his network a permission to take a cut from the money that he makes 
on you. Mm-hmm. Like in Noster, your content exists outside of the client or or that that like nobody controls that network, right? So like it's those models are destroyed. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really is that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot harder first to make money from this stuff as a dev. But then I think it's gonna become a lot easier because a lot of new things that were never possible before will come about, right? And and you're gonna take a cut in a different way. Because you can just inherit the social graph and uh, the content. You don't have to build that up. That's right. You can start a new thing now. Without like just starting it, hoping that you're just going to get acquired by one of the same four tech companies. That's right. Well, I mean, maybe uh, uh, Primal, Damus, and uh, Amethyst just keep on buying the devs. <laughs> you know what I mean? That come out of new shit. <laughs> Package Zap by Albi. Value for value payments for NPM. Okay. Uh, Orange, a new lighting network server implementation by CivKit. I'm curious about CivKit. I have not had time to look into CivKit. Do you guys have like some, like more than like small knowledge about this? Uh, give me a sec. I read a newsletter about it a few weeks ago. Essentially like an open peer-to-peer marketplace. Pretty sure they're combining Lightning and Noster to do this anybody using it yet or no, I still think they're building out okay oh this would be funny like I mean I wish Matt was here for this part it's the <laughs> it's the privacy software we should have put the the, the mixers here too I guess simplex yeah. chat version 5.2.0 message delivery receipts Future favorites and then red chats. He's fucking killing it, man. They, they are pushing so much new stuff with every update. And it's kind of cool they're trying to build a company around it as well. So they, I believe they are VC funded. And uh, yeah, it's it's the way to do it for something like this. And it's an open protocol. So soon enough, we're going to have competing clients too that would work you know, in competition with Simplex Chat. And then I added one here just to be a total absolute fucking nerd, which is FLDG, which is a ham radio digital modern application. (laughs) Essentially, FLDG is one of the best ways for you to modulate data to send over ham uh, in multiple frequencies with different mini modulations. It is an absolute amazing toolbox. So if you want to send Bitcoin transactions over ham, uh, this is a great way of doing it. All right, uh, let's just do the boost quickly. All right. Thanks to everyone who streamed some sats and uh, shout out to some boosters here. Transisto, top booster, 100,000 sats. I agree with NVK. We need multi-sig wallets to talk to each other. Securely, nunchuck is great, but it's too risky to use software keys or hardware wallets with no screens on a single implementation. What's happening with Spectre Wallet? No idea what's happening to Spectre Wallet. Uh, Swan owns it now. Ape Meef Rendier, which is a fan of the other list show, uh, sent us uh, 7,777 <laughs> sats. Craig, one of my favorite guests at the last since Odell shoot was shooed. Yeah, I mean, we had to shoot Odell because, you know, he's a microphone hog and it's complicated. Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's reread this boostergram for Ride or Die Freak 8 Mithrandir. Craig, one of my favorite guests, at least since Odell was shooed. <laughs> Matt, okay, Matt, you're not letting me guess like the comas here. 
Fair enough. Continue. This is your show. <laughs> you see McBoatface, 5,044 sets at Boostagram as a token of appreciation. Ahaniga, 3,000 sats. Great chat and panel. Nomad Joe, 2,222 sats. Antiwar.com. It's a great way of doing ads for your website. I'm anti-war. Yes. Heidi Sov, 2,100 sats. Strong black coffee is the way to listen. Love this podcast. Yes. Uh, if you have made to this part of the show... <laughs> Not being asleep, you are definitely on coffee. Michael Matulef, 2,100 sats. Thank you, Elon, for rugging NVK. The Pablo.Review podcast is much more educational and entertaining. That is totally true. And they carried on the show after my second uh, rug by Starlink. Vague 2,000 sats. The Bitcoin is boring and nothing is happening podcast. That is true. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, 5% of all that goes to OpenSats. All right, so Optech, go. We, we list on the, on the show notes because in case you want to just see a few things, but we highly recommend you now go and listen to their pod and sign up for the Optech newsletter. Some ultra high signal there, and they do great work. Safety of Blind Moose Sig signing. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that happened recently. I don't think we have time to get into it. Yeah, this this is this is how the show works, guys. This is not as polished as the other list show. <laughs> what are we? Are we like two and a half hours in right now? Two thirteen. That's why I'm I'm moving. AI for all results are in stats. What I don't know what this is. Oh, it's a hackathon. Okay, winner list. For hackathons, you already mm-hmm. just wrote a bunch about it. Yeah, that's just cool. Okay, cool. So AI, AI for all. Yeah, it was uh, co-organized by Fetty and Stack, and then I believe Zebedee, Lightning Labs, I believe LightSpark, Lightning Ventures, Vulgar Ventures contributed to it too. I could be wrong on the exact list, but essentially it was and Replit and Replit. Yes, Replit. Um, was part of it as well. And essentially the goal was to highlight how the Lightning Network can uh, sort of augment the the AI space, whether it be through Lightning Network paywalls or doing something like Lightning Vending Machines, which send AI agents on task, and then if they can't complete it, they put the uh, Lightning Balance up as a bounty for humans to complete it. And so it was 173 projects. The winner was Photobolt, which made this really cool AI agent bot where you would uh, give it a task. And I believe it was, it was an image generator. Um, and they won the whole thing. And they essentially implemented a Lightning Network paywall on top of, I believe it was ChatGBT's uh, or OpenAI's uh, image product with the L402 and then they implemented it into Noster. So they essentially tapped into Noster to request different AI bots to do this particular, these particular jobs. Oh, that's the vending machine nip that Pablo did. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that on the last episode. It was a two man team, CJ, uh, I believe he's from coin corner. I forget the other um, dev who worked on 
him with that, but they won. They got $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. But now I think this really highlights the power that the Lightning Network, particularly via L4 2, brings to the world, and particularly the world of AI. I mean, I mentioned the 21 co computer earlier when we were talking about that, that, um, that hobbyist miner, but the idea behind 21 co is the machine payable web. And I think what photo bolts built was like an actual, um, example of the machine payable web in action when Bellagio and the 21 co team launched that miner in 2015. It was probably an idea whose time was a bit too early, but now with lightning, and the emergence of AI, the machine payable web is becoming much more tangible and it seems much more viable today in 2023. Cool. Um, all right. On funding side, uh, I'm just going to mention a few things HRF funded. Uh, well, they, counted, they, they started a new campaign called Bitcoin Bounty Challenge. So they have a bunch of bounties for cool Bitcoin projects and initiatives. Geyser launches Education in Bitcoin Communities Grant. And uh, Spiral grantee Alicia Hartig is doing LDK work now about 12. Mining, Mr. Harry, uh, I'm sorry this was at the end of the show here, but uh, would you like to comment on the Stratum V2 SRI roadmap? Uh, we like V2. We'd love to see it progress <laughs> further. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's, been, it's been kind of a long road, obviously. I think the team at Foundry is like actually sponsoring stuff, uh, which is great. There's this whole component to the system that's required called job negotiation, which basically lets you have the performant nature of the current pool environment with the individual miners selecting block templates and contributing them. So that's the component. You know, at number one is everybody listening. Please go read the spec. But number two, um, Foundry's doing a good job sponsoring the development work for this particular kind of job negotiation piece, which is critical. Cool. Listen, normally I skip the business and finance. We just leave it here for the people who read the show notes instead of listening. <laughs> the PayPal launching a stable coin was the most hilarious piece of news I have heard in a long time. <laughs> I mean, it's completely retarded. It's fully ruggable. It's, yes. It should have been a database. It makes absolute no fucking sense. <laughs> this is something that they should have done in 2015. They didn't even launch a stable coin. Sorry, Marty, what? I mean, they're white labeling Paxos as stable. Their white labeling okay. access is stablecoin functionality. Marty, save the alpha for the Bitcoin.review podcast. Tomorrow we'll use this as the title of the episode. <laughs> okay. There is absolutely no way that a person is listening to this part of the show two hours in. <laughs> you do not have to worry about anything. You could flush your toilets. Well, so I mean, I think uh, on that note, like Marty, I think like using the PayPal news as the title for Rabbit Hole Recap tomorrow would probably bang pretty hard. Like, I think that's like title news. Yeah, we need we need to feed into the algo. It's very important. There you nice go. clickbait algo news. Good for you. <laughs> like, it's definitely not the 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 Bitcoin review. Uh, we we don't we don't use that kind of alpha. I'm learning here, but uh, it, it's uh, <laughs> we make a show for ten people. But jokes jokes aside, the PayPal news is like it's an interesting litmus test uh, by who got excited about it and who didn't. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, because it's just such bullshit. Like, who the fuck gives a shit? No one gives a shit. It changes. The Ethereum guys are like dancing on top of graves right now. Like, they think they killed Bitcoin because, you know, they're, it's, it's all so fucking retarded. It was a genius move on Paxos's front, though, because Paxos yeah. is getting fucking wrecked. No one uses their fucking shitty ass stablecoin. Uh, Circle is dominating among the cucks. Tether's dominating among anyone who wants black market dollars. Yeah. And and Paxos has just been left out to dry. And so they throw a big ass name like PayPal on top of that. And uh, it's a winning move for them, probably. I mean, it, it's just yeah. a massive net benefit for Paxos on their side. They're going to get more volume. And I could I could imagine them just increasing this white label program. And I'm I'm particularly excited about the Western Union stablecoin. I think I'm going to keep my life savings in it. Um, and I just <laughs> hope it comes out soon. You know, it's weird. I haven't really heard a lot of Ethereum shit anymore. Like, used to be that there would be like this sort of like valuable noise on Ethereum that would make their network sort of like gain more retards. But it sort of disappeared. Like, it, it's almost like that project sort of vanished from, from the zeitgeist. Like, you don't hear anything being built on it. You don't hear any sort of new scams on it. You know, maybe uh, uh, Luna and Terra and all this crap was sort of like the last thing that's built on that nah. that's like off scale. Yeah, they shot their load. It's just, it's just interesting. People are so exhausted. No, I think, I think, look, I think at the end of the last bull market, they had like, as to continue Marty's analogy, I mean, they had like a load buildup of like a decade that they shot on the proof of stake stuff. Like they got very excited about proof of stake. They made a whole big show of it. You know, I, I think we haven't really, we have, we definitely have not seen the repercussions of that decision. I think basically we're just sitting in this kind of little bear market hangover of proof of stake. And then when, when prices start to rip, there's going to be so much Ethereum bullshit. There'll be plenty. Don't worry, MBK. Like we haven't fully passed that moment yet. I think it just needs we need we just need the bull market to come back. When the bull market comes back, all so do all the bullshit. I think we lost Rodolfo. Yes, but we're also just seeing like the great hollowing out of the middle, right? Like they like the 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 decentralization LARP that Ethereum engages in like is vastly inferior to like the naked centralization of something like Solana or some of these other platforms that just have all the functionality and none of the fig leaf. I mean, we've been debating about this for months now, Matt. And I've been going on other shows and saying, I, I honestly think people are getting smarter. There's only so <laughs> many times you can scam as massively as the crypto world has. I don't know. I just think the, the marginal return on these scams is diminishing at an accelerating pace moving forward no. as we go through all these cycles. Facts say otherwise. It could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, and the, the meme of like gambling on this stuff to make more Bitcoin, like sending Bitcoin into these trading pairs to get more Bitcoin out at the end, like that, that, the, that thesis is dead. No way. Just a bear market. Just a good old fashioned <laughs> bear market. <laughs> I don't know. I, I will say it. I think this time may be different. Clip it. Yeah, people are smarter now. Marty Bent. All right. So since Rodolfo dropped off, uh, Matt, I think this is now our podcast. I think we get to call Prima Nocte on the Bitcoin Review podcast and just <laughs> fold it in. Are we ending the show? No, we're starting the show.
if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, just be aware. As hosts of this show, we've decided that um, our priorities lie elsewhere. We're going to end the Bitcoin dot review show as an, in existence. We're going to close the website. Make sure you click unsubscribe in your favorite podcast app um, because there'll be no more episodes. Hey guys. <laughs> no, we had a good time. We, a good time. Uh, we can cut this part. This is the beauty of having an edited show. I got rugged. So my Wi-Fi is off. The Starlink is rugged. And my hacked LTE router died of battery because it was not connected. So we actually had a really good conversation. We did. Without you. What do you think, Rodolfo? I bet. Is the uh are the Mar- crypto scams have they reached a level? <laughs> Marty thinks shit coins are over. He's calling peak. Diminishing no, absolutely. We haven't even started. We haven't even started that there is 8 billion people in the world to get scammed. Thank you, MVK. No, I mean, like A16Z has a dude right now in the basement who just came up with the next scam. And it's going to be 100 times bigger than the previous one. They're yeah, literally scanning coin. eyeballs, Marty. They're scanning out. eyeballs around the world. <laughs> They're literally scanning eyeballs. And you're like, nope, this is peak shitcoin. Like, people are smarter now. It's not going to happen. They're getting kicked out. This is the whole point. People are onto it. People are onto it. Kenny's like, get the nah. hell out of here. No, because that one was the wrong way of approaching it. You know, the, the way, the way, like, they have to play into the greed. So they need a bit of a bull market, All right. right? All right. Once things start to pump again, everybody's going to want to get rich quick. Let's make a bet. Let's make a bet. Nice. I hate Bitcoin dominance as a metric, but... I don't bet. I highly doubt it falls below... I would like to look at a chart, but I imagine it's falling below. Wait. No, no, the Bitcoin dominance has nothing to do with this. The next scam might be on a drive chain or something. It doesn't matter. This is irrelevant for this. Like, I'm just saying, the pumps and dumps on shitcoins are going to happen and disappear within, like, they don't even have to touch the Bitcoin dominance. Yeah. Chain analysis investigation lead is unaware of the scientific evidence that surveillance software works. Shocker. I just I was about to win a bet against Marty and NVK ruined it for me. Yeah, no. No bets. It's Haram. PayPal uh probably locked locked out Graphene OS. I mean, it's so amazing to me that those guys were using PayPal <laughs> like to begin with. Like why? I thought they got it back. I know, but still, like, dude, come on, just go full Bitcoin, you know? This is the perfect project to just be full Bitcoin people, you know? They can still bank their gains like from the bitcoin like they don't just saying like in terms of collecting donations and stuff is anyways world coin safety and privacy concerns oh yeah that's what marty was mentioning about them being kicked out some places yeah the kenyan government raided their facility for data harvesting smash the orbs especially orbs i mean couldn't they find something a little bit like less aurelian than a fucking shiny orb like it's weird. This guy's lean in into the evil shit, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, they could have made it into like I don't know, like a, a stuffy bear or something, you know? Like even the name Worldcoin, Worldcoin yeah. has like massive dystopian vibes. It's so fucking weird. These people are weird. They're out of touch. They're demons, right? As uh, as Marty would say, they're demons. Uh, you have to be more specific. They're interdimensional, interdimensional demons here to suck the life force okay. out of you know Marty, do you think we've hit, have we hit peak demon? No. No. <laughs> no. But we've hit peak shitcoin. 
<laughs> How do you circle that square? You make it. You make a good point here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you can. Oh, yeah, man. It's uh, like this. There's a lot of like bad, misguided people out there with like good brains that will come up with some very fucking evil shit. It's just inevitable. Anyways, uh, shout out to BTC Session for making a cool tutorial on how to use Nunchuck advanced features. Poor timing on the the name pun. <laughs> right? Mastering Bitcoin transactions. Mastering everybody's Bitcoin. Okay, Reads, uh, there's a lot of good articles that came out, uh, including that CV on the beginning of the show. That we'll add that one to the bottom as well. Passphrases are not the solution for Bitcoin custody by Hugo. I disagree, but it's a good read anyways. Uh, how to build your own Bitcoin park by Rod. Azteco guide to Bitcoin by Bitcoiner guide. A static wire rent <laughs> internet protocol subnets using Bitcoin's Lightning Network by Andy Schroeder. Drive chains no. Oh, drive chain research by Bitmax. How can I manipulate on paper? Uh, calculate a Bitcoin public key from a Bitcoin private key. Polestras response. Uh, increasing interoperability uh, between Bitcoin's second layer protocol by Chase Smith on how we get s- uh, of custodial Canadian custodians by Arvin from Galoy. Uh, Lightning Everywhere by Tony Giorgio. If you are interested in some of uh, Polstra's uh, stuff and you want to understand SegWit and the block and the weight and all that stuff, we did a, a really fantastic episode, two hours long, and uh, your brain will melt. It's guaranteed. <laughs> if you're still awake, your brain will melt. Uh, it was my favorite so far. I want it to be known that I uh, agree with Hugo about passphrases. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, it's. I think there's a place for it. I think it's. Uh, I think, I think multisig is, is superior in terms of security, but it's unrealistic that people that live in a condo are gonna have three locations for multisig backup keys. You know, like it, it's complicated out there, and people need more than one wallet. I just think that passphrase passphrases are nice. They're simple. They're the easiest low hanging fruit, ultra high security for most people, kind of to get into this and then sort out their lives after that while they're still secured. That's sort of like how I like to see it. That said, I did lose my entire stack forgetting my passphrase and now I have to start it fresh again. No, no, Matt. What happened was you used BX Wallet to generate your main seed, but then unfortunately you didn't have a strong enough passphrase. No, don't don't mince my words. Like I used cold card, I generated it per the instructions and lost all my Bitcoin. It's not safe. <laughs> Gotta start my stack fresh. <laughs> That's right. You didn't opt into their backup service. That's right. Uh, no, it's automatic. I wish it existed. <laughs> right. If you plug it into the computer, <laughs> we wanted to compete with Ledger on that product. So now we upload your seed directly to our servers, but we keep it plain text, so there's no risk of losing the keys. Mm. Yeah, we call it backdoor as a service. Anyways. <laughs> Oh, it's just like the virtual secure elements too, which is a new uh, marketing theme now. The space is getting very funny. Oh, the v- the VSC. Love a good VSC. That's right. It's virtual security for your virtual secure element. Listen, mm. guys, this was fantastic. I, I really, jokes aside, I really appreciate uh, you, you, you guys coming. 
And uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, uh, Rabbit Hole Recap, and, and I listen to it religiously every week, waiting for the cold card uh, coverage, which uh, Odell does not offer anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, it's a joke. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, guys. Like, I love that show, and uh, you guys were a huge inspiration for this show. I always wanted to get the two of you at the same time here. Uh, Harry is a regular, so you know, just thank you, Harry. <laughs> Keep having me back. He was resident mining expert, and uh, anyways, <laughs> I just wanted to thank you too. Like, it's uh, you guys have a fantastic show, and I'm a super fan and I, I wanted to to have you I wanted to have Marty read it, our our list but he didn't go fast enough so I, I had to take over I mean I just wanted to thank you for being one of two sponsors to Rabbit Hole Recap yes thank you for that but beyond the sponsorship it's very important to sponsor the competition well beyond that I've had a lot of fun over the years talking to you on Rabbit Hole Recap when you're not there and saying yeah MDK get on this and um, we're obviously big fans of everything you built, Bitcoin hey. Kite. Now Bitcoin dot review. Can we commit to a live show for the Bitcoin review at Bitcoin Park? Nope. Oh, oh, oh. that that would be good. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Rabbit Hole Recap has right of first refusal. We we might have to we might have to call that. <laughs> hey, listen. All I need to do is get two out of the three partners at the Bitcoin Park to agree to it. <laughs> Is that why you listed Rod's thing in the reads, even though it's just a pull request to speak at? Uh, no, he scammed uh, Johnny to add in there. He's good at that. There I figured go. it was something like that. <laughs> Guys, did did I miss anything on the list? Is there any other uh, things you want to uh, uh, mention? No, it was comprehensive and amazing. Okay, you, you, I got a few things I want to mention, but I'm gonna save them for the Bitcoin Dot Review podcast. <laughs> okay, so uh, any final thoughts aside from listen to the Bitcoin Dot Review podcast tomorrow, uh, Odell? Noster is the future. Marty and NVK should be ashamed of their blue checks. Uh, you can find me on Noster at primal.net slash Odell. I don't have a blue check anymore. Oh, I, I do. Uh, Marty went to the setting and pressed hide blue check, uh, which should bring great shame to his family. I did not do that. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, Marty figured it out. Okay. Uh, Harry, any final thoughts, sir? Um, I'm very bullish on long-term mining revenues. Nice. Okay. Marty, final thoughts, sir. Enjoy the bear while it lasts. I know people are getting uh, getting anxious and wanting the price to go up, but this has been the most productive bear market that I've experienced in 10 years in Bitcoin for me personally. And then observationally looking out at the rest of the industry, I think a lot has gotten, gotten done in this bear market, gotten built. And so enjoy it because when things turn here, if and when they do turn, I think they will. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get hard to concentrate. So get your work done. Thank you, guys. This was awesome. I really appreciate you guys coming. MBK, when are you coming? Hang on, MBK, hang on. I'm not coming to I apologize Park? to my audience for a slightly less technical show today. <laughs> no, these guys are awesome. Uh, Odell, uh, <laughs> what, what were you saying? I have a hard stop in a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways guys uh no but jokes aside thanks for having us it was a pleasure
Much appreciated. Yeah, and a blast. I, I really think my audience is going to get the best RHR today, and then tomorrow they can take the day off. You guys have a wonderful <laughs> day. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For more resources, check the show notes. We put a lot of effort into them. And remember, we don't have a crystal ball, so let us know about your project. Visit bitcoin.review to find out how to get in touch. Mm-hmm.